the What I Watch Tonight show. Morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is Matt Hudson and joining me once again is the Pod Prince, all-round top man and the statesman to my Kingsman. That's me, John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How's it going, Matt? Very good. I, I, had, an, I had a Chinese takeout tonight, so I'm Ooh. full up and happy and ready, ready to talk film. How about yourself? Not bad. I had a sushi for lunch with my daughter because we have this new sushi place. Um, they have a lunch special. You get two rolls, like... A full like six pieces, and uh, a drink for seven fifty. Nice. So uh, we we hit that last Saturday. We did it again today because my daughter and I are big sushi fans, but we don't always have the money for it, you know. But this place, it's the right price and it's high quality for uh, the price. So sushi's expensive over here, so it's no different. Um, if anybody, we'll give we'll give all of the links later on. But if anybody's not following John on Instagram, especially. There are usually some great sushi pics on there, which mm. when I'm sitting eating my ham sandwich at lunch and John's <laughs> putting up this extravagant-looking sushi, um, check those out. But just before we get on to the uh, two movies, Jolly, how, how about those Oscar noms? How about them? Oh, man, those nominations. Um, I, I cannot <laughs> believe if Beale Street Could Talk got snubbed as hard as it did. Like, it, it's not getting a Best Picture nomination is a travesty. And I, I honestly think Barry Jenkins deserves a Best Director nod. Um, I, I don't know how that movie was not... I, the only thing I can think of is that they didn't watch the screeners or they didn't get enough screeners out to the voters uh, because that movie is, like, well-crafted in every regard. Like, it could have been easily not on every nomination. Um, but, on the other hand, I am very excited with the favorite um, that... Hmm. I, that there are two supporting actresses from one movie is awesome. Not something you see very frequently, but uh, I, I love that all three of the actresses are getting recognized. Um, I would have liked to see Nicholas Holtz get a supporting actor nod, uh, to be honest. I really liked him in that movie a lot. It is a small role, but man, he's he's so entertaining throughout The Favourite. But of course, I love The Favourite. You did not, so... Yeah, I I get I can see Coleman and Emma Stone getting the nomination. I was surprised to see Rachel Weisz get it, and I've said elsewhere that I think Claire Foy should have been in there for First Man. wasn't overly sold on First Man, but I thought she was wonderful. First Man not getting a, a, an original uh, score nod is just beyond me. No love for First Reformed. No love for Widows. No, no love for, nope. for stuff like uh, Blind Spotting either, which was uh-huh. eighth grade either. Yeah, I I was bummed for Elsie. I'm not surprised she's you know first year acting, um, but yeah, no no love for eighth grade or blind spotting, which I think might be the biggest travesty of the year that so many people don't even know about that movie. Um, it is my favorite movie of 2018, and it is my it's in my top 50 all time movies. Like I watched it again last night by coincidence, <laughs> and um, I immediately felt the same. I felt each time I've seen it. I've seen it three times. And I am so attached to those characters, and I love the performances. 
Um, I love the visuals. The comedy in that movie works for me yes. so much. And then the drama lands perfectly, and I'm I'm devastated throughout scenes in that movie. And I I just I I hope everyone tries to watch it, but not getting at least some recognition in the Oscars. I even like a best original screenplay in my opinion, but obviously it's not going to click with everybody. But it, man, it totally clicks with my sensibilities, and um, I'm really glad that I found that movie because it is it's a favorite now for sure. It's one I can see rewatching it time and time again. Um, and I am I'm planning on uh, showing it to my third year film students in two weeks, which a little nerve wracking because of the language of mm-hmm. it, even though they have permission slips and there it's I'm allowed to show it. It's still um, it, it's it's a lot of language, but <laughs> I, I think it's uh, with a function. I think it's a part of what their their message of the film is to go with on top of it. Um, and I think I'm going to introduce uh, before we watch the movie, I'm going to talk about Huckleberry Finn. Um, yes. Because that book was banned for a while because of the the use of the N-word, um, deemed racist, even though that's not why Mark Twain used the N-word in that book. Um, he used it to depict how ignorant people were at the time without them realizing he was criticizing them. Um, so I thought that was a good kind of comparison because I feel like uh, the use of language in blind spotting is to, again, build on that whole concept of, well, blind spotting, which I'm not going to define because you need to watch the movie, listener. But um, – yeah, I, I've been just so blown away by that film that it's it's not getting recognized anywhere. Uh, it wasn't Golden Globes. I mean, it's got some Critics' Choice Awards, and from those like smaller uh, awards, they've won some things. But the big awards, no publicity whatsoever, and that hurts me because I, I was one of my favorite. I mean, it was my favorite movie from last year, but even just like from South by Southwest last year, I saw it, and it's been since then I've been advocating for that film, and I wish – more people were able to check it out. I mean, it's available everywhere now, digital. You can buy it on Blu-ray. Um, I say it's a blind buy, especially if you like buddy comedies uh, that have a, a sense of humor but with a lot of heart. I'm glad you found it as well because I think it's my fifth favorite film of the year, and that was that was I I, I only well I, we did a South by Southwest uh, preview last year myself and John, mm-hmm. and um, Blind Spotting was one of the films we mentioned. Well, John mentioned because obviously he's going to go and see it. So it was kind of on the radar, but, you know, it's still, for me, it was still flying underneath it. John came back and was raving. This is the best film he's seen all year, he said. So naturally, I'm going to want to see it. And when I did see it, I it's it's easy to see why it was awesome. And the two guys, um, Raphael Castell and David Diggs, apparently they're working on it for about a decade. And their love for it just shines through. And it, the way they managed to craft that humour and that intense drama, and at times it is intense drama, is mm-hmm. so so brilliant, and yeah, I implore anybody who hasn't seen Blind Spotting to f- find a copy, go go check it out, go rent it, go buy it, and you know, touch wood, knock wood, you'll be just as blown away as John was, and then subsequently I was. But yeah, Blind Spotting is one of those films which I'm not surprised it missed out, but it's still disappointing because yeah. there's only there's only a few spaces, blah blah, but also. There, there are always going to be certain films which get nominated ahead of others, which is, which is a shame because in, in an ideal world, Elsie Fisher may have got nominated. Apparently, Natalie Portman mm-hmm. could have been in for Vox Lux, but I haven't seen the film. But that's what I'm hearing. But you know, it's, yeah. it, it, sometimes it's I, I wouldn't say there's a um, anything sinister going on, but at times, yeah, the right people don't always get in. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and again, the awards don't mean anything really. It's just this: what these people 
are recognizing. Um, and there's a million reasons why they could be choosing these. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy like following along and keeping up with yeah. them, but it, it's definitely not a final stamp of quality. I mean, there's been a lot of past best picture winners that people are like, yeah, this movie's not that good. Like crash is the one everyone always goes <laughs> to, um, as that big melodrama and yet somehow won the award. Um, yeah. but yeah, so who knows? Um, I, I do hope that, uh, I, I hope the favorite wins every category. Um, one because oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, because of our Oscar draft over at com <laughs> that Matt, myself and uh, big tuna are a part of. Cause the thing is, I feel uh, benevolent. Like if I win, I don't seek to punish. I will make you guys watch a movie that I love that may or may not work for you, what a nice but guy. it'll be something, it'll, it'll be something positive. Sean looks to punish. And, um, if Sean beats us, I, I fear, um, what, uh, I fear what could happen. From what I've heard, it, we could be in for an absolutely tor- 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 horrible time. And, I'm hoping that my my picks pull it out of the bag. I'm keeping my punishment slash reward completely under wraps because who I don't want to spoil the surprise. But obviously, when I win, then I'm gonna <laughs> obviously unleash it. But yeah, if Big Tuna does win, then I fear that we may stop watching films. Uh, period. Yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, encourage him to like <laughs> use his potential power because he is he's good at this Oscar thing. I mean, like he has tactics, he, he was. Man. Yeah, he's got way more strategy than I went about picking my uh, my picks, but um, I am I am a little afraid. Uh, Beale Street really let me down, uh, only getting the three nods because um, I was expecting a little more for that. Um, Vice has you know, got me Vi- a few. I think I think Vice has got me a few more noms than most people thought it would, other than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you got. I mean, even Bohemian and uh, yeah. you have Panther, right? Uh, no, I Black didn't. Panther. Oh, he got Black Panther. Yeah. I was on the fence with Black Panther because I wasn't sure I was actually going to get that too many like, top nods. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean we, the, the Oscars are are fickle. You never know what they're going to do, um, and they they surprised us with a few picks, uh, and then some were exactly what I expected. But yeah, I, I'm not sure, and I am wondering if Glenn Close is going to end up winning Best Actress. I've got a doubt um, for her. I think she's locked on to win that. I think. I think everybody's rooting for Olivia Colman and I was thinking she was going to win, but obviously Glenn, Glenn Close is sweeping all of the board, all the board. She's had six previous noms and never won. And whilst I, yeah. I really don't like the notion that, you know, eventually you just got to get, give, you've got to have, like people were saying for Gary Oldman, he deserves this because he's been the, on the fringes for so long and it's about time he won. Don't give me that. I mean, before Gary Oldman, it's Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, and Leo Revenue, as well. Right? And people are also saying the same for Amy Adams. Just give her the Oscar. Like, well, you have to earn it. And I'm not saying that um, none of those actors or actresses have earned them. But sometimes somebody is just better. It's just unlucky, unfortunate. And I think Glenn Close yeah. is going to sweep the board. But, yeah, I mean, Oscars should never be used as a validation for whether you should like a film or not. But I mean, we could go on mm. for forever about the Oscars. Yeah. So, um Movie Astrology is what we're here for tonight, and uh, it's a show I love doing with John because it, uh, we go back in time. On this show, John and myself, we dive into a randomly selected year in film, and we discuss the top movies from that year, uh, the notable releases, for better or worse, uh, movers, shakers during the awards season, who debuted uh, and who also came to the world and sadly left us as well. So without any further, John, please can you reveal uh, the year we're going to be covering this time around? Gladly, because the last few episodes, I've hardly <laughs> known any movies um, or had seen them, much less. Uh, 
but this episode is 1993 when I was 11 years old and an avid moviegoer. <laughs> so <laughs> I've seen a lot of the movies that we're going to be talking about today. And I am like, ah, finally, because the last two episodes, while fun to look at movies that we know nothing about, it's much harder to talk about movies you know nothing <laughs> yeah. about. It's so. harder to fill the runtime, isn't it? But just to yeah. compound our ages, uh, that was 26 years ago. I think I was nine or eight or something, one of those. Um, I don't remember how old I am, but 26 years ago and... It's starting to feel quite old now. Think about the nineties was sort of almost three decades ago, but I remember nineteen ninety three fairly fondly. But before we look back at the cinematic story, here's some of the major events from throughout the world in nineteen ninety three. In history. So IBM announces a four point nine seven billion dollar loss for nineteen ninety two, the largest single year corporate loss in United States history to date. Bill Clinton is sworn in as the 42nd president of the United States. Uh, murder of James Bulger. Two-year-old James Bulger is kidnapped by two 10-year-olds who torture and murder him in one of the most shocking cases in British history. That is a horrifying fact I just had to read. It is, sorry. Um, not much better. A van bomb parked below the North Tower of the World Trade Center explodes, mm-hmm. killing six and injuring over 1,000 people. A 51-day standoff at the Branch Davidian compound near Waco, Texas, ends with a fire that kills 76 people, including David Koresh. Windows, I remember that. Uh, I remember the Waco standoff. Windows NT 3.1, the first version of Microsoft line of Windows NT operating systems, is released to manufacturing. Oh boy. The Maastricht Treaty takes effect, formally establishing the European Union, and I apologize if I said that wrong. <laughs> Nirvana play their um, uh, awesome Unplugged concert in New York for MTV. Still one of my favorite albums like of all time. Uh, Rick Astley retires from the music (laughs) industry at the age of 27 after selling 40 million records in a five-year period and promising he would never let us down. And he still said he's never going to give us up, and he lied. I know. Liars. I think think 39.9 million of those records was that song, but... uh, (laughs) The first definite asteroid moon is confirmed when the Galileo probe discovers dactyl orbiting 243 Ida, and probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said. Yes. Uh, Manchester United win the inaugural English Premier League title, the first league title in 26 years. Uh, What what sport is that? Is that... uh, I was keeping the soccer ones. Oh, okay, the soccer ones. (laughs) Got it. Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar is gunned down by police. Michael Jackson is accused by Evan Chandler of sexually molesting Jordan Chandler, Evan's 13-year-old son, which is crazy that we're reading that fact today because I don't know if you saw the Sundance headlines, but there's a Never uh, Leaving Neverland yes. documentary that is apparently proving that Michael Jackson was a pedophile. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So. Uh, my, my missus will not be happy. She loves Michael Jackson. Uh, his music was amazing. In, in Happier and his dancing. In Happier News... Stephen King's A Brief History of Time, rest in peace, becomes the longest Stephen running... Hawking. Stephen Hawking. God, blimey. <laughs> Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time becomes the longest running book on the bestseller list of the Sunday Times ever. Uh, severe floods hit South Asia, killing over 4,000 people in Bangladesh, India, and Nepal. Oasis play at King Tut's Wawa Hut in Glasgow, uh, United Kingdom. Creation Records boss Alan McGee offers them their first recording contract after the show, and the rest is history. And I am a fan of uh, early Oasis. Early. Um, yeah, before they split. Uh, Guns N' Roses play their final gig, which I guess uh, on their Use Your Illusion tour, this will be the last time the original band plays together on stage until 2016. Well, uh, and I bet Axl Rose was still late. 
Um, Mar- Mariola Mew takes the Art Ross Trophy and Hart Memorial Trophy, which I've thrown in just to remind everyone who the best at ice ho- in ice hockey ever is. WWF Raw premiered on the US, uh, USA Network. And its first episode was from the Manhattan Center in New York City. Of course, now it's WWE. <laughs> Good times. You know. uh, singer Ariana Grande. Grande, Grand. Soccer players Paul Pogba and Harry Kane. Musician George Ezra. And pretty much all of One Direction are born. Wow. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie, England's World Cup winning captain Bobby Moore. F1 driver James Hunt and Frank Zappa pass away during this year. It's kind of your main main headlines for 1993 also Walt Disney Studios celebrated its 70th birthday but to be fair quite a lot of that was quite depressing really yeah the first couple right I mean Waco uh the uh the the bombing under the World Trade Center and then the the murder of James Bulger which I I didn't remember well, there's that another interesting story about that which relates to the Oscars there's a documentary which has been a short documentary which has been released about this because it is a very oh. infamous crime over here. It's disgusting. Um, and there's a documentary which has been released, and the parents of the of James Boulder, the young boy who was murdered, weren't consulted. And it's all about it. And it's got interviews with people in the know, blah blah. And she's been campaigning for it to be struck from the record. Don't people don't watch it? Has it been nominated for the Oscar for sure, for um one of the documentary slots, which has caused an awful lot of uproar over here because it's a uh, it's 26 years later still. It's still very raw for a lot of people. So, but a young boy was abducted from a shopping centre, and two yeah, two ten year olds took him to the train tracks and yeah, did stuff, and it was just as awful. Jesus, yeah, that that's man. Yeah, and I always give John um, the soccer stories and the ones which I can't pronounce either. So, long time listeners will understand <laughs> that now. Yeah, I was like, oh no, I don't know how to say these words. <laughs> um, yeah, and I I did know Manchester United was soccer, just to clarify. <laughs> but I am uh, not not a fan of soccer in general. No, he's not, N- no offense. I'm glad you're a fan of the Unplugged in New York album because that is uh, oh. that's the kind of album I can turn the lights down without making to sound too emo or anything, and just turn the lights down and just sit back and just listen, man. It's just so Dude. come as you are. Unplugged is one of the most ethereal things I've ever heard. Dude, something in the way. Oh. Um, I, I freaking... It's so haunting and, and, and they, yet oh. amazing. And it wasn't on the live performance, I don't think. it was, But it's on the album. And that's incredible. And obviously, where did you sleep last night? That final long... Yeah. That final um, scream of Kurt. We finally let's yep. loose. And it's even that the, the Meat Puppet covers and everything, it's just... Yep. The songs I chose were, I guess for the casual fans, probably not what they wanted to hear, but... For fans of the band and music, the, they, they it was a the, the set list was absolutely nailed on. It was, and I I own the DVD um, that they released. They they waited forever mm. to release it on DVD, but I think I was working at a uh, video and slash record store when it came out, and I was so excited. I bought it, you know, day, day one, and then I've had the album. Uh, I listened to it streaming. Like it, it's one of my favorites. So yeah. it's kind of crazy that it's that old. But <laughs> I know you don't. It's um, funny how time passes, but because it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it should be nearly three three decades old, which is no, which is a, which is mental to think. But yeah, and even man, even just the lilies and the way they set the stage up, it's, everything about it was just you know, it's just one of those moments in music. 
Yeah, and it really, to me, that's the, when you think back to the MTV Unplugged, that is the one you think of. Like, there's a few other good ones. The Eric Clapton Unplugged is yep. good, and the Alice, Alice in Chains Unplugged is solid. Pearl Jam's good, and I, I'm a massive fan of Pearl Jam, but Nirvana, did that one, just everything about it, even the fact they had Chris Novoselich playing cello, they had, uh, not the cello, mm. the um, that fold-up handheld piano-y type thing. I can't think what it's called now. Um, they use it in France. They uh, Jesus Don't Want Me for a Sunbeam, but it's used on that song. It's not, it's not a sitar, right? I can't remember what it's called. Anyone out there who's calling me an idiot, let us know what it's called. But Chris Novoselic said yeah. playing that, and you've got you've got the cello and everything. It's not what you expect from the band at the time, but it all just makes you think and wonder what could have been had, obviously, Kurt Cobain still been with us. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of the biggest losses in, in music. Um, but yeah. 90, the 90s for me, I mean, obviously I, I was a teenager through most of the 90s, um, or at least a good chunk of them, and I, I falling in 93 is a year of movies that I really, really relate to, um, not just in the top 10, but even in the notable releases. I think I've highlighted like three quarters of the list on the notable releases on this uh this episode so I, i'm i'm excited to get into these movies in fact one of my top five movies of all time is going to be discussed uh so i'm excited i'm excited to find out which one it is i think it might be called the accordion by the way um right so let, well, let's <laughs> let's get on to it then in the hunt to find out uh what what film was in john's top five of all time let's find out whether 1993 was a good year a bad year or middling year with this top 10 so we're going to look at the top 10 movies of 1993, going from 10 to 1. Uh, this is based on usually worldwide gross, yeah. although it looks like we're good here. Uh, in the past, with some of these older years we've had to do, that wasn't yeah. an option. <laughs> yeah, um, but now we've got those numbers, so we'll be looking at that. Um, I've seen most of the movies on this list, but not all, um, which is a shame, because there's a few on here that I I definitely need to, uh, to visit, and um, I know that. So let's start with number 10. You ready? Let's go. Number 10 is The Pelican Brief. Uh, it's distributed by Warner Brothers Studios, directed by Alan J. Pakula. Uh, stars Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington, Sam Shepard, John Hurd, Tony Goldwyn, James B. Sicking, William Atherton, Robert Culp, Stanley Tucci, you gotta love the Tucci, uh, Hume Crone, and John Lithgow. Wow, I didn't realize he was going to be the last name on that list. Um Domestic gross, $100 million, uh, 100.7 if you want to be more exact, $195 million worldwide. Um, I've not seen this one in its entirety. I, you know, I was 11. I'm pretty sure my mom rented this and I watched like it in the background kind of thing. But I, I am familiar with this movie. and I, It's one that like I can picture the poster still yes. because of Denzel and Julia Roberts. I was aware of Julia Roberts a lot because of Pretty Woman. I, I think my, my grandma worked at a law office, so like... Any movie that dealt with law, I was like, I was aware of, even if I didn't see it. So, um, do you have you seen the Pelican Brief? Yeah, I mean, I've seen all but one of the films on this list. So, but I, a lot of so, some of them I haven't seen for a decade or two. Uh, but I have seen the Pelican Brief. It's a long old film. It's all right. It's I, I think my overall rating would be not entirely excellent, but it's certainly decent. I think it's well written and intelligent. Denzel and Julia to Roberts on screen is just an exciting prospect at any time, and yeah. both are just fine here. That in fact, it's those two uh, mainly who elevate the movie from being to being you know very decent rather than just pretty good. But this was Pecula's last movie as well. He passed away a few years later, and 
He directed this, Clute, All the President's Men, Sophie's ah. Choice, and he also produced wow. The Killer Mockingbird. So he was a he knew his stuff in terms of films. But I think yeah, the Pelican Grief, Pelican Grief, Pelican Brief is a decent film. And again, I'd never not recommend a film. So if you haven't seen it, anyone do go watch it. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a little long two two twenty one um, two hours twenty one minutes. Yeah. Uh, so 50 meta score. So it, it seems like it's middle of the road and 6.6 user score. Um, I feel like my grandma was a big fan of this because she liked John Grisham. Um, she was the yes. one who worked at the law offices and were frequently, uh, you know, in that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's not one I'm going to seek out even now, but I am a fan of both Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington, obviously. So if it happened to come across uh, for some reason or if uh, maybe next year movie club we do a, uh, a like – law theme or something you know john grisham um, books oh john grisham books because i don't know if i want to do that but you know <laughs> <laughs> there's another one on, i think there might be another one on the list as well so another one i've not seen too <laughs> <laughs> um which is weird because i like law movies um yeah i like them when they're good um and the pelican <laughs> to be fair the pelican brief is it is a good movie but i guess when you, i think now in 2019 when you see the, the people john lithgow stanley tucci um, Denzel Washington, Julie Roberts together. You think you're, you're, you're expecting excellent things, and the yeah. Pelican Brief is just a good film. Got it, got it. All right, well, let's go to number nine then. Um, number nine is another one that is it's on my need to watch list so badly. Um, I don't know why I keep putting it off, but it's Philadelphia, uh, distributed by TriStar Pictures, directed by the late Jonathan Demme. Um, Stars, uh, iconically, Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Jason Robards, Mary Steenburgen, and Antonio Banderas. Uh, domestic gross, $77 million, but worldwide, $206.7 million. Um, big, big numbers there. And this is, uh, I think, where Tom Hanks breaks out of the kind of B-comedy role and becomes the serious dramatic actor that we now think of him as. Um, and I, I know uh, basically everything about this movie. I just it was I think too serious when it came out for me to watch and I've never gone to it um since but it's it's been on my my radar forever like I've always known about this movie but it's in the last couple of years it's become apparent I really need to make an effort to see it especially after Jonathan Demi passed um I was like man that's one of his big ones that I've not watched so um I assume you've seen this though This is one of the ones I haven't seen the one I haven't, the one oh. I haven't seen is about halfway through but I have seen this one yeah and again, similar again. Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, on screen together. Second, second appearance of Denzel Washington, obviously in the, after the Pelican Brief. But yeah, I have seen Philadelphia. It's it's a great movie, and it yeah, it did break Tom Hanks out from those roles to how we see him. But then again, the film helped lead the way in Hollywood by highlighting you know, homosexuality and HIV and AIDS, mm-hmm. which was still massively taboo at the time. And I think it helped to expand people's horizons as well, which is amazing what a film can do. But yep. it, when it's as expertly acted as this, it's emotional. I've seen some people say it's uh, too, you know, uh, manipulative. But when it's mm. as good as this, and it's opening people's minds to the, I mean, the film. When you, I don't want to say too much, but when you watch the film, people's fears and ideas about HIV and AIDS. Denzel Washington's character, he is the one who kind of carries those and. How he puts himself across is how I think a lot of people see the illness and the disease, uh, which was very interesting to see that they tackled it head on and on how people perceived it. So definitely watch it, anybody out there if you get a chance. 
Uh, I haven't seen it for a long old time. One day I'll rewatch it because it's not a film I wouldn't watch again. But I'm glad I have seen it because it's a it's a it's an important film for the time. Plus, also, yeah. it's just a bloody good film. Yeah, I definitely need to check it out. Um, it's on my list. Uh, the next one though, I have seen, and it's weird though how this is working. By the way, yeah, um, noticed it. <laughs> ten, yeah, ten Denzel, nine Denzel, but we have Tom Hanks. And number eight, we have Sleepless in Seattle, an iconic uh, rom com. Distributed by TriStar, directed by Nora Ephron, stars Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Bill Pullman, Ross Malinger, Rob Reiner, Rosie O'Donnell, Gabby Hoffman, and Victor Garber. 126 million domestic, 227.8 worldwide. Um, I just watched this, I think, last year for the first time. Um, I'd seen bits and pieces. I knew the the kind of the conceit of the movie, um, and I finally watched it. And it is as charming as I had always heard. Um, it's hard not to love Tom Hanks. Uh, Meg Ryan is great in the movie. And, um, you know, I, I am a sucker for rom-com, so I really don't know why I'd put this one off for so long, but, um, it, it's great. What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I, on, out of the 10 on this list, this is the one I saw most recently, probably within the last five years. Um, I mm-hmm. don't mind a good rom-com. Um, I know John is, uh, John is like the rom-com king, but I don't mind a good <laughs> rom-com, but, you know, this is, um... It's as fluffy and light as they come, but it's just so damn charming. I found it nearly yeah. near impossible to dislike it, which is good because I did think it's a good film. And Hanks and Meg Ryan are just so good together, and it's got a great soundtrack as well. And I like Nora Ephron as a as a director. She's she had pedigree with uh, when Harry met Sally and another one. You've got Mail, I think she did so. But, yep. And Bill Pullman as well pulling up as well. But no, Sleepless yeah. in Seattle was just one of those films you could just put on. And just ignore the woes of the world for best part of two hours, and just enjoy a bit soppy little film. It's, it's a nice film. Yeah, and it's it's Tom Hanks. I mean, that man. It, how do you not just enjoy him? He's just great. Number seven, I saw for sure in the theater. Um, at we had this like local little mugs and movies, where it was like you know you could get you, you sat like at a bar type thing, and they brought you food and drinks and whatnot. Nice. I was I wasn't drinking alcohol. <laughs> Um, but uh, I do, I did see, uh, number seven is Cliffhanger, the third TriStar movie on the list, um, d- uh, directed by Rennie Harlan, stars, uh, Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow again, so that's the second John Lithgow <laughs> entry, uh, Michael Rooker, Janine Turner, Leon Robinson, Paul Winfield, and Ralph Waite, um, 84 million domestic but man it blew up in the box office worldwide 255 million so huge worldwide uh for cliffhanger the stallone uh pull um i you know i remember more about this movie from the ace ventura parody (laughs) of it than i remember the actual movie (laughs) um but i did see it it's been a long time (laughs) i don't think i really cared for it when i saw it but um yeah i don't think i've ever rewatched it either i just know the yeah, the the premise of it, but um, I'm not a not a big fan. Have you uh, you seen Cliffhanger? Yeah, it's cheesy, but it's strangely quite fun. What the best but the best part for me is uh, Sly Stallone's character is called Gabe, which I still find hilarious. Uh, Gabe, um, I think that's more of an American name than it is a UK name. But I I'll, I teach like four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, sorry. Um, if I've, if any of you are listening, I apologise wholeheartedly. I didn't. <laughs> Hope I haven't offended anyone. Um, it's just not a name you hear over here very often. It's um, uh, the only time I've ever really heard it is in a 
from Family Guy parried it when ah. uh, Peter, no, Brian and Stewie use it as like a pseudonym. But oh man, if any of the four Gabes are listening, <laughs> I certainly apologise. But no, I. That's the main reason why it just sticks out to me is because just we don't hear it over here whatsoever. So um, yeah, yeah, Gabe, Gabe, the action hero. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but it's in terms of the film, it's okay. But yeah, it's it's not the best. Yeah. Uh, not when I've, I'm in any kind of rush to rewatch, but number six uh, is Indecent Proposal, um, uh, distributed by Paramount, directed by Adrian Lin, uh, stars Robert Redford, Demi Moore, Woody Harrelson, Oliver Platt, and Seymour Cass- uh, Castle Cassell. Um, 106 million domestic, but 266 worldwide. Uh, it has a 35 meta score, just to throw that out there. So it's number six on the list, but a bad score. I definitely saw parts of the Oh, Billy Bob Thornton's in this movie. Um, and Rip Taylor. But I definitely... And Billy Connolly. <laughs> the cast is ridiculous. Um, I, I definitely saw parts of this movie when I was a kid. Um, my mom wasn't good at, like, censoring what we watched. Uh, I didn't see it in the theater, but I think she rented it. And I think it was on, but I wasn't, like, really watching it. I, I know, you know, the premise and whatnot. And it's been parodied, I don't know how many times. Like... Family Guys parodied it. I'm pretty sure The Simpsons did it. Um, so I, I'm very familiar with this movie. Whether or not I remember any of it, other than like I liked Woody Harrelson a lot from he got uh, from White Man Can't Jump. So it's it's awful. <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not really very good. It's a CD premise. The acting's fine, but the overall feeling is just <sighs> the middle section when Robert Redford turns up is it that is good. But either side is just really naff or laughable. It's like Fifty Shades for the early 90s. And Robert yeah. Redford's character is like the ultimate creep in the film. Uh, the premi- And if you watch the film, you know what I mean. I know it's part of the story, but he's a creep. But apparently it's being remade, so maybe they can really it slightly better. Apparently so. It's being, there's a remake in the works. And I'd be interested, firstly, to see how they approach it in this modern time. Because if, I, w- I could give the premise, I'm not going to, but it's not a spoiler. But go go and Google and read it. In this day and age, I'm not sure how Robert Redford's character and his indecent proposal would come across because it is a it is an indecent proposal. So if you've seen the film, you know what I mean. I'm not sure how they could play it nowadays. It's just going to be our president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right. Let's go to number five. Please, I'm now yes. disgusted. Don't mention the that. Firm. Um, the Firm. Uh, and th- this is the second John Grisham, right? Yep. Yes. Um Distributed Par- Paramount, again, uh, directed by Sidney Pollack, really. Um, stars Tom Cruise, uh, Janine Triplehorn, Gene Hackman, Ed Harris, Holly Hunter, Howell Holbrook, David uh, Strathairn. $158 million domestic, 270 worldwide. And um, I, I know lines of this movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, my grandma liked it a lot when I was a kid, and I just was never interested in it. Um, oh God, it's so long, too. Two hours and 34 minutes, man. 58 Metascore. Um, yeah, just I have not. I still don't really have a desire to go back and watch this either, so no. I don't know that I'm ever going to. This is the one I haven't seen, because I thought it was a British hooligan film, and then I looked up about it, and I found out that there was like a soccer film from 2009 called The Firm, which is about, you know, um, well, hooligans and yobs. And gangs, ah. so I got mixed up. But I don't know anything. I, 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 yeah, I know it's a John Grisham book. Um, but uh, that's all I really know. But I haven't seen it. All the one thing I do know 
because I looked it up, was Paramount wanted to change the gender of Tom Cruise's mentor to female and have oh. Meryl Streep in the role. But John Grisham oh. said, no, 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 because, you know, it changes the, it changes the uh, dynamic that he, that he wrote. Uh, so he refused that. Gene Hackman was cast, which isn't a bad replacement. And, um, but Tom Cruise had a stipulation in his contract with Paramount that only his name could go above the movie title on the movie poster, which is slightly egotistical. But, however, Gene Hackman, when he came on board, he said, well, I want my name on the movie poster as well. I'm Gene Hackman. I'm an Oscar winner. But uh, Paramount said, nope, only Tom Cruise. So uh, Gene Hackman refused wow. to have his name anywhere on the, in the marketing apart from the end credits. Wow, so, yeah, that's crazy. He, hack, he was slightly hacked off with that, but that's all I know about <laughs> it, really, other than, other than apparently Tom Cruise is pretty good and it's, it's a decent story, I think, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, then I guess we'll go to one I'm sure we both have seen. Yes. Um, Schindler's List, number four, which seems a little low. Um, it's uh, distributed by Universal Pictures, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, stars Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley, Ray Fiennes, uh, Carolyn Goodall, Jonathan Sagali, I'm horrible with that name, and then Embeth Davids, uh, $96 million domestic, which is surprisingly low, $321 million worldwide. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that number is higher now because they just did the 25th anniversary re-release yes. um, recently. And, uh, you know, it, this movie is – it's one of those where it is going to traumatize you. Um, it's going to uh, make you confront horrible things that happened in real life. Only about 80 um, years ago as well. Yeah, and uh, but then it's also going to... I don't know, it feels... There's an element of hope yes. that Spielberg's able to bring into this film. Um, and there's elements of humor um, that you wouldn't think, but there there's humanity in this movie in a, in a, in a complete absence of humanity at other times. But... Um, this movie is on the top 100 AFI list, uh, and I, man, I, I actually had avoided it for a long time. I think I watched it maybe four years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago, for, and um, I was so stunned with so much of it. Um, it is, it's probably one of Spielberg's best, not family friendly movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, I'm a stat top thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's man, it's a masterpiece in almost every regard. Uh, the use of black and white, and then the the very sparingly use of color. It's just it's terrific. Um, what do you got? Yeah, it's it's an impeccable movie. It's well acted, well directed, well presented, and I agree. It's there is a hope beneath all of the horror that you see in this film, but it is still extremely hev- heavy. Um, but as for the box office. From, I mean, I saw this when I was about 19, I think, and I'm so glad I didn't see it any when I was any younger, because I'm not sure I would have appreciated it. I may have even written it off as, you know, just being too heavy. But it's not one which I really want to watch again, not because I didn't like it, but it doesn't have that rewatchability value, which makes me question, makes me think maybe that's why the box office wasn't as high, because it's not the kind of film you're going to rush out True. to go and see again. And again, that's nothing to do with the quality. Once you see it, it stays with you, and it's it's a titanic achievement of a film. The black and white mm-hmm. really helps to accentuate everything that's going on screen. Of course, we have the famous girl in red, um, which is kind of one of those like cinematic legends now. The, the girl in red, apparently it symbolised the obvious 
the obvious nature of what was happening, like the U the US were turning a blind eye to everything that was happening during the Holocaust, and Steven Spielberg said it was as obvious as a girl in a red coat in a black and white film. So that's kind of why I put her in there. But it's been called mawkish and too mawkish and sentimental. But I also think some people need to head check. And I get not everything everyone is going to like everything, but yeah, this happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like John said, you have to face up to this. This happened, and. Mm, it's a heavy film, but cinematically, it's a, it's an excellent piece of cinema. Yeah, it's. I I wish I I didn't make it to the theater to see the the twenty fifth anniversary. Partly because of what you just said, it's so heavy. I was yeah. having a hard time like getting it, like getting motivated to go and sit uh, through it a second time. Um, even though I think it's a masterpiece, and I, I I do feel like Spielberg gets hit for that sentimentality so much, and I just. It's like, what's wrong with sentiment? You know, he's he's he has love. Isn't that a good thing? Like in a world where we're so people look for something just so they can say so so they don't come across as too um, as if they can't find a bad thought with the film. I think some people look too closely, and yeah, yeah. I mean, because that is like a go-to criticism for him, and sometimes it is too much. I think in Ready Player One, I think there's some very sappy moments that like the sentiment is like too much, but. Uh, in Schindler's List, when there's the the other things that you have to witness, a little bit of sentiment is needed. Like we need something to to cleanse the palate of the atrocities that are are depicted. Um, especially because Ray Fiennes' character, man, like oh, you yeah. need some contrast. Yeah, Liam Neeson um, and Ray Fiennes, the way their characters are kind of the yin and yang of each other, almost, and the way they they're kind of the embodiment of good and evil and black and white and blah blah. And it's it's so it's excellently done and yeah those two are brilliant in the film and I mean it's amazing to think Liam Neeson of Taken and the Commuter famous was in Schindler's List all this time ago I know I know right and and like well then he shows up in Widows and like the, the Widows trailer were like you know Academy Award nominated blah 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 and they don't they don't put that in front of Liam Neeson's name it's like it's forgotten that yeah. he's been an Academy Award caliber actor in the past uh and it's like, wow, they don't even mention it in Widows. They're just like, and Liam Neeson. It's like, hold yeah. up. And Liam Neeson turns up and does some sloppy kissing. The, um, oh, the Cinder's, List is, Cinder's List is a perfect kind of film for a, a great example of an episode, for a podcast episode. Unbelievably good films that you only want to watch once, that you can't revisit. Yeah. And Cinder's List is one of those. It's such a good film, but it's harrowing. That might be a future top five list now that you mention <laughs> it. Um, I'll steal it first. <laughs> uh, um, so going into number three, uh, one, it's, there's a movie in the top three that when you notice that Schindler's list is number four is kind of disgusting, <laughs> but it's not number three, number three, the fugitive, uh, Warner brothers, Andrew Davies is the director, uh, stars Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Cell Award, Joe Pantoliano, Andreas Katsoulis, oh boy, uh, Jerome Krabby, I'm going to go with Krabby, um, even though I know that's not an E at the end there, it's the, it's got the crabay. Crabay. Oh, I like that. That's what, it, when I go to the seafood restaurant, I order crabay. Um, $183 million domestic, $368 million worldwide. Um, I saw this way back when, um, I, this was, I think, when I became aware of Tommy Lee Jones as a kid. Like, I don't think I knew him before this movie. He was too Um, close. I did, uh, yes, <laughs> but not, not yet, oh, not yeah, yet. And then he was, yeah, after that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was also uh, Agent K, man, yeah. for Men in Black. Um, but I was obviously a huge Harrison Ford fan, as he's Han Solo and Indiana Jones. So 
Um, I, I was like, it was weird watching this movie for me because it was like, you know, he's painted as kind of the bad guy. Oh, Julianne Moore's listed on IMDb. So she's a Mr. Off. And got to name drop her because she's awesome. But I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Like I, I there is like a spiritual sequel, right? With Tommy Lee Jones and um, yeah. Sam Jackson or uh, Wesley Snipes. It's Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I can't think what it's called. Uh, something God or something. But yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, he's in, he reprises his character. Yeah. And uh, I like that movie too. I can't think of what it was. It's going to come. It's not U.S. Marshals. Is I think it? it's U.S. Marshals, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, and I, I like Tommy Lee Jones kind of as a, I mean, God, man, like No Country for Old Men is where I go for him now. That's like, that's my favorite Tommy Lee Jones performance. Um, but I remember seeing The Fugitive when I was a kid was probably one of the first like action dramas that I'd witnessed, you know, because like there is some action sequences, the iconic jumping off of the uh, out of the water pipe. Um, Damn, yeah. Which has been parodied, I don't know how many times Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back parody it. <laughs> um, so, which they just officially announced that they have distribution for Jay and yes. Silent Bob reboot. So excited for that. Uh, Kevin Smith nerds like myself. But um, yeah, I definitely see this film being a, a number three. It does feel like one that's kind of fallen from people's like film list. Because I remember in the 90s, this was one people would list as like their favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. And. I don't hear this movie much anymore. Like you hear Forrest Gump a lot. You hear Shawshank Redemption like too much. I think it's a good movie, but man, so many people, it's like their favorite movie. The Fugitive used to be there and it feels like it's just been forgotten. And that's kind of a shame because I, I remember thinking it was really good. It, I dig this film. It's a, re- it's a real shame because it's a, this is a proper movie. The direction is good. The cinematography, the story, the writing, the acting. And, you know, and again, without meaning to sound like a lofty idiot, it's in, it's an intelligent film. Ford's character, uh, what's his name, Richard Kimball, is intelligent and f- other than jumping off a dam, is rational. To- and the, office- the police officers aren't, aren't idiots either. Every step is kind of meticulous and it, you know, it's nothing it, it, during it which made me think, oh, here we go. This is where it all falls apart. It all feels very rational. Um, and it's, it's a really good, intense thriller. And of course, you get that. Um, awesome damn jump scene which has been parodied by mm-hmm. everyone i'm thinking about parodying it for my instagram story just so i can say oh, i've done it but um <laughs> I, i'm a big fan of the fugitive i saw it again in the within the last 18 months and ah. i hadn't forgotten how good it was because i had i mean the first time i saw it was a, a few many moons ago but i hadn't forgotten how good it was but i was relieved to know that i still enjoyed it just as much it's a really really good film i can see why it's number three on the list um it, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it, Harrison Ford is excellent in this film, I think, as well. So, and obviously, he was, he was yeah. Rick Decker to another load of sci-fi fans as well in Blade Runner. Yes, I was very late to Blade Runner, though, so I, I was not. Um, I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, obviously, I didn't think that when I just mentioned it. I do think that now, but I was uh, at the time. I actually yeah. didn't see Blade. Yeah, I didn't see Blade Runner until maybe eight years ago, and then I got into that where I had to watch every cut. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have seen all of them, but. Um, I'm still not overly sold yes. on Blade Runner. The second one was so, was good, but hmm. oh, I love 2049 so much. Um, uh, I like the first, but uh, I 2049. It, yeah. But I didn't yeah, think yeah, it yeah. was the. I expected it to. Everything I'd heard was it was a a classic, and maybe of the genre, maybe, but cinematically it was it was you know mind blowing, and I just thought it was pretty good. And Rick Decker did yeah. some questionable things with women, but. It, as a film, it's okay. It's good, but the Fugitive yeah. is is a fab, fabulous action thriller. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of Ford's 
best performances outside of the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I am a huge Han Solo fan, so like I I Han Solo is one of my favorite characters. Uh, yeah, so it's hard for me to say any anything is over that, and I do love Indiana Jones, although I don't like um the the Temple of Doom that much. Um, that's, that's I prefer the one that gets Raiders. The, um, is that the one that uh, catches most heat? Temple of Doom. Other I than Crystal so. Skull, obviously. But... Yeah, Crystal Skull didn't happen. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking yeah. about. Stop bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I must have had a really bad dream. Something about a fridge. But, oh. Yeah. He was yeah. good in What Lies Beneath and as he... well. I liked that film. I think I'm one of the few I people need to rewatch that. that. I, I saw it in the theater, um, and I remember... I think I liked it at the time, and then I think I let other people's opinions like make me like, oh no, I don't like that movie, because um, you know I was a kid, yeah. still like teenager when that came out. So I saw and it in the cinema, is... and it took me. Yeah, it was. I saw it in the cinema, and it took me a good while before I watched it again. But I enjoyed it the second time around, and um, I know lots of other people don't, but I did. Well, speaking of, let's get into number two here yes. because if you go back to my 1993 11 year old self. I'm totally on board with this movie being number two on the list. <laughs> you come to now, and I've I've studied film for several years uh, academically now, but also I've you know matured and whatnot. It is hard to believe, and yet totally fathomable because it is a box office that we're rating. The drum roll, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire from 20th Century Fox, directed <laughs> by Chris Columbus, uh, a questionable director at best. Um, even though he's got some huge titles, right? <laughs> I mean. Time. Home Alone, but, Harry Potter's. Yeah, but uh, stars Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, poor Pierce, um, Harvey Firestein, Robert Prusky, and uh, it has a 53 meta score, 7.0 IMDb user score, 219 million domestic, 441 worldwide because Robin Williams. And I do love Robin Williams, and I want to put that out right away. It's hard for me to hate on any movie he's in now, especially. Um, Even Flubber? I haven't. I've managed to not watch Flubber. <laughs> yeah, but I I did like this as a kid. I watched this a lot, probably too many times. Um, I I don't think I ever owned this though. I think I just would. I think it was on HBO or something, and I would just watch it every time it was on. And I had a friend who this might have been his favorite movie because I do recall watching it at his house a lot. Um, this and The Sandlot. Those were the two movies that we cycled through a lot, and I still love The Sandlot. I don't think I still love this movie. Um. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years, but it, partly because it's you know been kind of bashed and mocked uh, for a while now. Um, but yeah, some of there's some very memorable lines uh, when he's making all the phone calls to Sally Field to get the job, and he's like pretending to be all the different people. That scene still cracks me up because um, I think I still do that. He's like, "I am Job." <laughs> <laughs> I you know like it's still there, so. Hard to completely bash this movie, but over Schindler's List, it does feel like, oh, we've screwed up as a country. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. especially when you look at domestic, because domestic wow, yeah. Schindler's List, 96 million, 219 for Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, oh, <laughs> there, there goes America turning that blind eye to the Holocaust. Wow. Again. Like, I didn't think um, about all that. That's a massive jump. Yeah, it's, it's a hundred million dollar difference. Wow. So... Yeah, uh, that's a shame, guys. Come on, we gotta we gotta watch movies that aren't just you know a man in in drag <laughs> pretending to be a, an old no, lady, an old Scottish broad. Oh, God. What I will say though is, you, you, I, when was the last time? Well, astro- movie astrology will help us with this question going forward. But when was the last time a comedy was second in the top ten with that much money that, as well? 
That's true. Yeah, that's a lot of money for a comedy. Yeah, um, second in the in the in any years, but uh, there was going to be a sequel. But obviously, when upon Robin Williams' sort of tragic passing, what was that five years ago now? They were that was cancelled. But Robin Williams is actively trying to get a sequel done. But he turned down so many scripts because he just wanted it to be right. But I mean, I remember we. I think I had this on VHS, and I loved it as a kid. I mean, I, I it was on. It was over this Christmas just gone or the one just gone. And I joined, watched it, and I enjoyed it for the fun comedy it was. You know, Robert Williams setting fire to his fake breasts, had a face full of cake. <laughs> the restaurant yeah. scene when he's going between being Mrs. Doubtfire and him, uh, Daniel Hillard himself, being the kid between the family nanny and being a businessman. I love that scene where they're in the restaurant and he's going back and forward. That is excellent. And another thing which I found about it, which I realised when I last saw it, whether 2018 or 2017, I can't remember, but the starkness that how they handle divorce is quite, actually quite surprising. Like at the beginning of the film, they handle yeah. it quite well, and then the, it kind of they kind it kind of has a compromise in nature that the movie takes towards takes towards it. And the ending is quite refreshing as well with that compromise aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that, I guess. But maybe I'm looking into it far too much than I should do. But I like Mrs. Dad. Chris Brosnan is so charming and cheesy in this role as well. He's a Lovely white teeth, slick back hair, tan skin. He's a sort of perfect, you know, slime ball. But uh, yeah. it works as a as a really decent family comedy. I think some of the jokes have also not stood the test of time. There's a couple no. of ethnic jokes which don't land over here quite as well anymore. But it's a good it's a, it's a good fun film. But I guess in terms of looking at yeah, looking at the top ten, you're going to look at it and think, will it should it be higher cinematically? But I guess the people people want what the people want. Yep, yep. And that leads us to number one. Speaking of what the people want, um, number one is in my top five all time, Jurassic Park, uh, distributed by Universal Pictures, directed by Steven Spielberg, his second on the list. Although uh, if you read interviews, it is not his favorite compared to the one that's number four, um, especially because of the close knit time they were working on them. Uh, Stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, Bob Peck, Martin Ferrero, B.D. Wong, Samuel L. Jackson, Wayne Knight, Joseph Mazzello, and Ariana Richards. Uh, domestic gross, $402 million. I saw this movie in the theater four times. Uh, it is still, I believe, the record for me it twice. in the theater. Oh, nice. Um, and $914 million worldwide. <laughs> At the time, uh, the highest grossing movie of all time. Um, it is no longer freaking Avatar. Um yeah for real although that's not i don't know if that's the movie that actually deceded it but still uh titanic uh duh, of course james cameron you bastard but um <laughs> yeah i i still love this movie i have um i have three regular pop vinyls i have the jeff goldblum the grant and uh hammond pop vinyls and then i just i was so excited dude like less than a month ago i'm at uh books a million and they finally released the jeep with Ellie State uh, yeah. Sadler in it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I bought it right away. All of the gang now. Yeah, um, I had to have that one. I don't have the special edition Jeff Goldblum with his shirt open, pop vinyl, <laughs> which I desperately do want, but I I didn't buy it when it first came out because it was a little more money. Uh, I regret it, but I I love this film. It's I actually I'm a sucker for dinosaurs. Um, I I still like I like Lost World a little bit. Not I have a hard time with Lost World because of the stupid. Jeff Goldblum's daughter in that movie drives me nuts. Um, in her, which is the one where, which is the one where the dinosaurs come to LA or wherever it is. That's the end of Lost World. <laughs> that's also, oh. that's also why I hate the end of Lost World. Um, 
yeah, Lost World. But there's some really great scenes in Lost World. The trailer hanging off the cliff sequence with uh, Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore is amazing. Mm -hmm. But then there's those other scenes that are so ridiculous. When the the daughter does the gymnastic high bar routine to kick the rafter in the head, it's so bad. And it's so... I wish that was me getting kicked in the head. Right. And then... I actually, I don't hate Jurassic Park 3. I don't think it's amazing, but I don't hate it. I really enjoy Jurassic World. I don't care that she has high heels on in the jungle. And <laughs> I I had a, I liked Fallen Kingdom a lot less. I don't think Justice Smith deserves a Razzie nomination. That's unfair. Um, but... Uh, Razzies. Yeah, but, you know, um, I, I am a fan of the whole kit and caboodle, so to speak. But this one is so good and it's it every time i watch it still i love it i love the score uh, obviously john williams uh again just nails it and oh i mean come on like everything about this movie is so great sam neill is amazing and that's one of the reasons i love taika watiti's hunt for the wilder people because it feels yeah. like it's a, a spiritual sequel to jurassic park in a lot of ways because we have you know sam neill trapsing through the jungle with a kid he doesn't want anything to do with like it's hey <laughs> jurassic park um yeah i i love this film so so much um it is i i often have a hard time deciding between jaws and jurassic park as my favorite spielberg film um i would say jaws is a better overall movie but i think i enjoy jurassic park more um as much as i love jaws and i am a huge fan of jaws too but i think jurassic park just hits with me i love goldblum and hit all of his quirkiness um, and Laura Dern, this was this was my introduction to her. I Same. and I, honestly, it was my introduction to Jeff Goldblum outside of uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, um, which my mom used to watch on like rerun. I swear, all the time it was on regular TV as a kid. Uh, but um, I love Laura Dern so much, and I've as I've gotten older and realized how great she is in other movies, I only love her more in Jurassic Park because it's like she's so great. Um, and I mean Samuel Jackson, you know, he's got some just like uh, uh, uh. yeah uh, like <laughs> i i i love this movie i i truly do um that's all i'm sorry i i will gush forever if i don't stop so i think john's just dabbing his eyes now yeah. and the tears are flowing <laughs> it's in my top certainly in my top 15 or 20 movies of all time and like you as, as, I mean, as a kid i loved dino i wanted to be a paleontologist i wanted to travel the world and uncover lost dinosaur bones. My mum and dad used to get me these big old books, bigger than me at the time, about dinosaurs. Little tiny, tiny writing, big words, and it's probably why I'm so so intelligent now. I'm sure you'll all agree. But <laughs> this, I mean, Jurassic Park was just, it blew my mind as a kid. It, the T Rex blew my mind because it looked real, and I mean, it was it was well, it was a real T Rex in terms of physically being yeah. there, but also not a real one. Got to mention Dennis Nedry and Wayne Knight. I love that man, but um. It's a landmark in CGI and animatronic visuals. John Williams' score just captures the, mag- the awesome majesty and the awe that the dinosaurs in the movie brought. The first time we see the island, Island Nubla, with that score is just one of those incredible moments. You've got the dinosaurs, are you've got the Dilophosaurs, the, rap- the T-Rex, the Raptors, seeing the Brachiosaur for the first time, the Pterodactyls flying past. It's just magic and... Yeah, you've mentioned Sam Neill and uh, Dr. Grant's arc. He kind of gives the human side to the arc, but the yeah. dinosaurs are what the dinosaurs bring it here. But it's just uh, one of those films which I'll never get bored of. Certainly, no. the moments like when you get introduced to the T Rex with the uh, the cup uh, rippling and um, like the electric fence and that yeah. kind of things like that. 
just little moments. The kitchen. And got, and he, I mean, he gets gacky. like a horror film without the raptors are stalking dude, in the kitchen and nightmares for months because of the raptors. Yes, I tapping their claws. Oh man, so terrible. The violence was toned down from the book. Apparently, I still haven't read Michael Crichton's book, which is a shame on me. But apparently, that's a lot more violent. But I have Jurassic Park was. Yeah, is it good? Oh yes. Um, I uh, to be fair, I have to say I didn't read it. I bought the audiobook right before Jurassic <laughs> World came out. Um. I got really like back into Jurassic Park right before Jurassic World came out. Uh, I went like all in, rewatched all the movies, bought both of the audiobooks for Lost World and for um, uh, the original, which both are slightly different. Um, the biggest change in the book, though, man, is Hammond. Hammond is like an asshole in the book compared to huh. who he is. Like he's like Santa Claus. He's really nice, the, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> like it's he, well, he was Father Christmas, wasn't he? In a couple of years before, in one of these films, I think he was. Christmas film. Um, but he's like yes, like he's charming and smiling. He's a, a kid in the candy store with the dinosaurs. It's not the Hammond you get. You get a much more, uh, you know, like capitalist, you know fascist uh in the book um so basically the, the, the villains in every other film going forward in jurassic park jurassic world yes and then uh lost world is is significantly different um and uh, less cheesy i think lost world in the book is a little more uh straightforward they went a little too too uh godzilla um or king kong mm-hmm. even because like, bringing the t-rex to uh San predator Diego, two. oh predator 2 <laughs> i mean i I need to read those books. I know my family have. Um, they've read the books and they enjoyed it. But in terms of Lost World, I agree parts of that were good. The third film, I liked the third film simply because it felt a little more contained. The fact that it was just in yeah. that island again. The Jurassic World, I was okay with. And I liked Fallen Kingdom to an extent. I preferred it to Jurassic World. Really? Um, I Yeah, I, I get the criticisms of it, but I enjoyed it. I liked the second half, which a lot of people didn't. I'm intrigued uh, and excited, you know, tempered excitement to see where they take it next. Because um, Jurassic World 3, I know it sounds like a cliche, but could either just destroy the franchise or breathe new life into it. Because yeah. they said Fallen Kingdom was going to take you down different paths. It didn't. If Jurassic World 3 can actually do something different, because there's only so much you can do with this story. So if yeah. they can do something wildly different and get people back on board... I'm all for it, but I didn't mind Fallen Kingdom. But there's no denying, just like the T-Rex, who who the king of the franchise is. It's this first one. Oh yeah, without question, the, the this first one, 1993, is also the king of 1993. Absolutely, um, oh, yeah, it's a T-Rex of films. What Jurassic World did the best was make Blue. Blue is one of my favorite non-human characters in a non-animated movie. Like yeah. I love Blue so so much in both movies uh so just throwing that out there you're my boy blue or my girl however you want to look at it but if you're um, listening to an androgynous raptor john loves you yes uh please don't eat me but um <laughs> i do i love jurassic park man and i i will i always will and i want to give a shout out to uh my editor at burkreviews.com david um david has been a jurassic park fanatic from day one where I think a lot of people bailed on the franchise after the second movie because it wasn't as good. He stayed true. Um, he still has a lot of the original action figures in packaging. Um, he is a true believer of that film. And nice. um, when when it came back, like, because now I think it's it's cool to like that movie again. But I think after Lost World, it was kind of like, no, no, Jurassic Park's just a it's just a kid's movie. But it is, it is not. Um, and I... I want to give him a shout out because he he's a huge fan i actually for christmas i bought him the pop vinyl uh two pack 
that has Nedry and the uh, the, the Lapisaurus <laughs> with with the uh, ink on his face. Um, so that I, we just finally actually we haven't seen each other since Christmas. So I finally just gave it to him like two days ago. <laughs> uh, so man. appropriate. Um, yeah, that he he's uh, a huge Jurassic Park fan as well. Um, and that's I think one of our, it's a, like a foundation of our friendship that we both love that movie so so much. So it's a hell of a foundation to have as well. It's a hell of a film. Give yeah. a shout out to Dennis Nedry's shirts in this film as well. And is just a, just another fact: Jurassic Park. It's been re-released, which has pushed it, um, a few times, and it's pushed it over the one billion mark. So its actual gross now is over one billion dollars. So it's joined that club. And yeah. I guess just before we move anywhere, Jurassic World Three. We've just brought it up. We saw very briefly, even though they really dined out on um, Doctor Ian Malcolm being in Fallen Kingdom, even though he's in it for thirty seconds. Are they going to have any of the legacy characters return for Jurassic World 3? Are we going to see Sam Neill? Will Laura Dern come back? Will uh, Ian Malcolm, did Jeff Goldblum do anything? Yeah, you mean other than talking court and repeat lines? Talking, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And Life basically being, being fed lines for the trailer. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I would love for Sam Neill to come back, but he did Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, uh, Laura Dern's in, in Lost World for like 10 seconds. She's in the, um, she's in the front yard or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't mind if, if the, what's his name? Uh, the kids in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, um, Joseph Mazzello. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if he showed up. Uh, you know, he was always talking like he wanted to be like Grant. Let's make him the new Grant. Yeah. Let's let's bring him it. in. Um, you know, and I, I like Bryce Dallas Howard for, for the most part. I felt like in Fallen Kingdom, her character, uh, like, reneged on her arc from she the first absolutely film absolutely did a 180 yeah. i i hate that um i hate that a lot like if if a character arcs let's keep the arc let's they they are no longer going to revert back to the original person they were at the first movie they should have an arc um and i but i do chris pratt is great in those movies like he's my favorite part for sure of the jurassic world mm-hmm. movies but um yeah and the uh, there there's a lot wrong with fallen kingdom i did buy it though day one because i am an advocate for the, the, the universe of Jurassic yeah, Park. I agree. Um, we recently did a top five places we would visit, like fictional places that we would visit, and Jurassic World is my pick. I would much rather, like, if I was going to be in a movie, Jurassic Park is the mo- Like, I wish I was a part of that movie because that's the legacy film. But the park never gets started. Jurassic World is where the dream comes true, and you could actually go and visit the park. It's like a theme park, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You could go long before the Indo, uh, the, uh, I forgot the original one, the Dominus Rex, um, you know, before it gets out. So my, my thing was like, I travel before that event uh, triggers. So like <laughs> I, before the bloodthirsty dinosaurs yeah, let loose. Yeah. Yes. I, I would go, you know, cause you could, cause that's the beauty of it. When we joined Jurassic world that it's implied the park's been open for a while. And this is the first big incident. Um, so yeah, just throw that out there. But we do need to move on from top ten, right? Because we can't just dwell. It's not just about these ten movies. No, no, it's about nineteen ninety three. I like your thinking there. So that's the top ten done. What else came out in nineteen ninety three? Hitting the screen. Matt, I don't know how to do this one, man, because I I don't want to talk about all these movies in ex- in excess. <laughs> uh, but I've seen so many of them. Some of them were like childhood things. And then some of them were like more recent where I've become I've come into them. But I, I kind of want to touch on some of the bad movies that I liked as a kid. 
Yeah, and I was then, pretty much going to chuck out some titles, say whether I like them or not, because there's so many on here which I like you, which I have seen, and I don't always have that many opinions about them other than good, bad. But yeah, rock on. I mean, we could just go down the line and uh, Leprechaun, bad, bad. But I mean, I watched it. Uh, Jennifer Aniston's in it, which I was so so. Oh, I know, right? But I mean, I was so shocked because I didn't remember her being in it when I saw it. Probably like a year or two after it came out on HBO, and it it definitely freaked me out as a kid. But I when I realized that she was in it, I was so stunned. I was like, "Oh my god, really?" The woman from Friends. Yeah, uh, which I am a big stupid fan of, uh, <laughs> more than I should be. Uh, Alive. I I definitely saw this. Um, I didn't realize Ethan Hawke was in Alive. Um, I know the story. If I haven't sat and watched this whole movie though, but. I remember it coming out. I remember everyone talking about it, you know, being the true story with the the plane crash and then the inevitable um Yeah, hunger. Yeah. There you <laughs> yeah. Go. Your man John Malkovich is in it as well. I know how much you love John Malkovich and his overacting. Um Yeah. I like it. it's at times the film's pretty freaky. Like the way they handle the crash is quite realistic and yeah, the methods they use to stay alive are quite uh visceral. But I think Alive is a it's not an entirely brilliant film, but it's effective but like that and yeah it's got a young ethan hawk in it um the vanishing i don't i don't recall at all uh no, i like the tra- cast good, though. good cast yeah you think yeah too. sandra bullock jeff bridges keith sutherland nancy travis um but oh man yeah. oh man groundhog day dude <laughs> uh directed harold ramus uh the late harold ramus rest in peace rest in peace stars my man bill murray andy mcdowell chris elliott stephen tobolowski Brian Doyle Murray. Oh, oh my God! I have seen Groundhog Day so many times. It's almost like I live in a mo- in a world where <laughs> Groundhog Day is on loop. I, I I adore the first half of this movie the most. Um, there is a part where it it starts. It doesn't drag, but when he starts to arc, it's not as fun. It's still great, but the first half is so much fun. Like I love the sarcasm that Bill pours Murray out of Bill Murray. Fun. Yeah, I oh man, I love this movie so much. It's probably my second favorite Bill Murray movie behind Ghostbusters because it's Ghostbusters. Yeah. But um yeah, I I love this film. I've been watching it since 93. Like I've seen it many 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 times. Um yeah, absolutely fantastic. And it's still funny after this is uh this is Murray at its best for me. And yeah, like I like I've just said it's still funny after all this time. And what I like the most about it is doesn't need any sentiment or any or an explanation. It's just laugh after laugh after laugh and set piece after set piece, and it's Bing! excellent. Yeah, <laughs> and it's excellent. It's just Bill Murray. It's almost like Harold Ramis and Bill Murray just got together and said, "Right, let's, what can what can we do next? What can we have him do next? Overeat, do this, or uh, commit a felony." It's great, and um, yeah, the Groundhog Day is it holds up to this day, and it's still so very funny. I don't know if you've ever done any of like the the fan fiction type, not fan fiction. That's not right. But like <laughs> the uh, people who have like calculated how many days he would have been in this loop. No, like, I haven't seen that. It, no. It's crazy. Like I think I, there's people who've got like this is how many days, and it's based on like how long does it take to acquire a new language? How long does it take to learn like to play the piano, which he learns how to do expertly? And so it, it calculates. It's like a thousand something days that it's they like estimate. Three years or something. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, 
the the numbers that are out there. I might be wrong. Maybe it's a thousand years. I don't know. It's it's crazy that they calculated it, and it seems accurate when they uh, when you read it. But yeah, I, I'm that big of a fan of this movie. I've done that kind of. Were, nerd you, were you the guy who did the calculations? No, I'm not that good at math. <laughs> that would <laughs> it would just be like uh, you got to carry the two. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, wait. Uh, so no, but. But I mean, how great is Steven Tobolowsky in this movie, though? But just like as Needle Nose Ned, Ned Ryerson, I still have friends that like, well, this is a movie we quote in my friend group. Um, I mentioned David uh, already, but like it, it's this is a, a film. There are so many quotable lines from this movie. Uh, I just I absolutely adore this film. So, yeah, 1993, this movie not being in the top 10 is a shame. Shame on us for not spending more money in the box. Shame office. on the world. Um, number six. I I think I saw the entire thing when I was like twelve. Again, my mom not good at censoring things. <laughs> I definitely saw the reveal though, if nothing else. I know for a fact I I remember the moment The twist. Of this the twist. Um uh for the crying game. Um I don't remember anything else about it really other than the music. And the moment, but also because again, Ace and Tora parodied the the moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, um, they did it with a little less sensitivity, man. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. Uh, <laughs> I, I I remember the film. I mean, Miranda Richardson's great in this. I saw this in film studies in about two thousand and one, and one of the main reasons I remember this film was because a guy was sitting in front of me. His name's Mark Winteridge, and if you're listening, apologies for this. He's a, you're a great guy, but he he had been waiting for a certain character to uh, drop their clothes or film. And then it finally happened. And to see his face when they realised what was going on was uh, something I'm never going to forget. But the tw- is, the film is more than just that twist. It's well worth a watch. Mm. But at the time, that twist itself was earth-shattering at the time because it was... You know, Especially 93. Yeah, yeah, you didn't do it at that time. But it was... Uh, I think The Crying Game is a very good film anyway. Miranda Richardson is excellent in it. Forrest Whitaker obviously is in it as well. So... Uh, it's one of, this is one of those films that should people should should have seen. If not, go and see it. All right, I think we're gonna have to speed through this because if if not, we're gonna like be here all day because I could literally talk about most of this list in way too much detail. I'm gonna hit some uh, movies that I love that are kind of considered bad. Yep. Um, Hot Shots Part Two, <laughs> the, the the uh you know the parody film. It's it's the parody film is an art that has pretty much died. Yeah. Because the ones they make now are just ridiculously stupid. Where there's like intelligence in the Hot Shot franchise. Sure, they're stupid comedy, but there's also some very smart jokes. I remember um, finding but, it hilarious as a kid. Oh, yeah. And um, Robin Hood Men in Tights is one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies. I don't care. Come at me, people. Um, I love <laughs> Men in Tights. I will defend that movie. Carrie Ellis is amazing. And Dave Chappelle as his sidekick is super fantastic. And even the dumb jokes like, hey, Blinken, hold the reins. Did you say a Blinken? I didn't say no a Blinken. I said, hey, Blinken. You know, I love those moments. I've seen Robin Hood Menetites far too many times. It's better than any Robin Hood film that came after as well. It is. It is. And Carrie Ellis deserves, like, he's Dread Pirate Roberts, man. And he's freaking crushes it as Robin Hood. Are you kidding me? And that, it's a solid Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks is the the Jewish friar tuck, if you will. Like, great. It's so great. I love that movie. Um, even the the uh richard lewis as the as the king um with the the freaking mole that moves around and then he's like <laughs> wasn't your mole on your other side of your face i have a mole like i love <laughs> this movie i'm I, I can't stress enough um coneheads i thought was hilarious when i was a kid it probably doesn't hold up but as a kid i thought it was so funny okay so super mario brothers is on this list Jesus. we have to address this 
Okay, <sighs> look. It is an atrocity in almost every regard. Yet, oh, no. as a kid, I watched it a lot. Like, not a lot, a lot, but more than I should have. Mainly because <laughs> brand affiliation, right? Like, I was yeah. Nintendo. So I was like, okay. yeah, it's Mario. And I'm, like, watching going, yeah, this is nothing like the game. Exactly. But <laughs> it's the guy from Robert, uh, Roger Rabbit's in it. <laughs> I swore you were going to say, but I really like it. And I was almost, I almost no. ended this no. association. But I've seen, I've seen Exorcist 2. And this is still one of the worst films I've ever seen. The the Goombas, whatever they were called, with the little heads. John Leguizamo's Tash. Dennis, oh, good. I watched it as a kid, and I didn't like it as a kid. It was weird as a kid. It's very weird. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I can't use the word like. There was this weird, like, I, I think it was that thing where I feel like this movie was made for me. But it doesn't feel like it was made for me. You know, like, I'm yeah. like an 11 year old Nintendo kid, yeah. and this is Super Mario Brothers, the movie. What the hell's happening? You're not mad. It's, but, it's like, it's like um, Brick, you're not wrong. This isn't right. This isn't what I thought it was. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy. It, the fact that it exists, though, is kind of glorious. That's all I guess I'm saying. Yeah, like, I mean, well done, Bob Hoskins, for salvaging your career afterwards somehow. But yeah. yeah. And John Leguizamo would go on to make the pest. What yeah. are you talking about? Um, okay, fair no. enough. I lied, yeah. <laughs> um, and Dennis Hopper would do speed. So, you know, everyone came out unscathed. Uh, Samantha Mathis shows up in a movie where she is really good, actually. I can't think of what it was. Um, she's in some other movie, though, like later on, where I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's Princess Daisy. That's the or whatever the hell they call it. Super Mario Brothers. Um, okay, but here's one that I don't think it's taken seriously enough. And it's Last Action Hero. Okay. I, I I think this movie is solid. Um, I think the kid could have been a better actor. That's the only thing. I, and it's not that he's horrible, mind you, but it's one of the lesser Schwarzenegger films. But it's it's kind of like criticizing his other movies in a way. Like it, it's you know, there's the scene where they're at Blockbuster Video and Stallone is Terminator instead, like on the poster. Like it's it's a solid movie. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I I loved it as a kid. Um, and even as a cinema person, like the kid goes to the movies all the time and he like idolizes this figure. Like it's so relatable as a film person in that way. So I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of last action hero. Um, it's again, it's been a long time since I've watched it. So maybe it doesn't hold up, but as a kid loved it. Um, and Oh man, there's so many movies on this list, dude. Like I literally have seen like almost everything on this list for like the first time it's ever. Not a bad notable releases. I mean, I'll let me throw in uh, Wayne's World Two. It's on there. How can we not mention Wayne's World Two? I so many right. people struggle with which one they prefer. I all still prefer Wayne's World, but Wayne's me World too. Two. I mean, if you invite them, they will cut Wayne Wayne Stock and all the. It's, dude, I yeah yeah I love it. I I still I love both. Wayne's World is definitely the better overall movie. Wayne's World 2 is just a really fun sequel. Yes. It's it's everything you love from the first one to the next. You know, they turn it up to 11. Um, you get the the funny nonsense. Christopher Walken, though. <laughs> and the uh, I love the graduate parody at the end of the movie. Like, how do you not? Yes. It's so like almost shot for shot. Like, it's so good. It's crazy. You see a career it's so fun in it as well with your boy's dream, which is in Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, talk about a career that didn't elevate. Right. Because like yeah. she's. When I see Wayne's World, I'm, like, in love with her. And then, like, she's vanished after that. But We had her in Wayne's World. Another sequel, though, that's also, I think, underrated is Adam's Family Values, man. The Adam's Family movies are legit. 
and values is great yeah. like there's some very funny stuff in values yeah, it's more light-hearted than the first one but it's 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 still a very good film and um, they make i know they're doing the they're doing the animated adams family this year but it's a i, yeah. I like it and i love raul julia and angelica houston just work in those roles so good well and chris christopher lloyd is fester man yes. he's almost unrecognizable but and then christina ricci as wednesday adams she are you, like she's cast herself there <laughs> She did, yeah, and it it kind of doomed her her child acting. But she's she's come away with some really big movies since then. Like, oh, I guess big indie movies. She hasn't really done anything like super huge, yeah. I don't think. But um, the dude who played does it, Pugsley Jimmy Workman. Yeah, that, that surname came back to bite him because he hasn't done much Workman since the Adams Family. No, but, no. Uh, and Pugsley's probably the most forgettable parts yeah. of those movies. Pubert, um, however, he's, he he sells it for me. Pubert the baby. Yes, yes, for sure. And Joan Cusack, dude, like I had forgot she was the villain. Like it didn't click who the villain was because she's, she's kind of Toy Story. Yeah, well, I, I'm a huge Cusack, both John and Joan fan. Um, well, she shows up in a few cameos from last year, like uh, Instant Family. Like, yes. What the crap was she doing in that movie? Like it doesn't make any <laughs> sense, but she's hilarious in those moments. Um, but yeah, well, jumping so those two movies I really love. Obviously, What's Eating Gilbert Grapes yes. is probably the fact that it's not in the top ten is actually kind of surprising. Um, I'm not because obviously I got to remember our top ten is uh, box office, but What's Eating Gilbert Grape might be the best movie um, under like Schindler's List on this list. Like it is such a beloved classic. It's Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp's probably his best performance. John C. Riley. Oh yeah, I always forget he's in yeah. that man. I love John C. Riley so much. Um, but a movie that I love—it's another Mike Myers movie. But so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> it's a, a movie I quote too much, like because nobody gets it. No one knows this movie. But like that's where um, top five movies Mike Sanchez that I do with. I think where we bonded was the uh, one of us saying "head move now" from that movie. <laughs> And no one gets that, but we get it. And, like, I I love this movie. I think it is an underrated Mike Myers movie. It's one of the only movies where he's not playing a character character. He's not in costume. He's no makeup. He's not voice acting. It's him. It's, like, it's just the normal guy. And he's he does his bits, and obviously he does he plays his dad. Um, so there is the costume there. But his character, it, it's like, hey, that actually looks like Mike Myers. Because think of almost every other movie that he's iconic for. It's either going to be a cartoon character... Or he's in, like, a lot of makeup. That's Austin true, Powers, yeah. Wayne. And then here's Zoe Mary Nexmer. He's just a, a guy who looks like Mike Myers. I, I love this movie. I still think it's hilarious. Um, I think Anthony LaPaglia is probably my favorite part of it, though, because he's the, like, the commentary on him, like, real police work versus, like, TV movie police work <laughs> is hilarious. Um, I, man, I love this movie. I really do. I constantly quote this movie, and I know I've said that at least twice already, but, like, I just need everyone to understand. It was on HBO when I was growing up. Every time it was on, I watched it. I adore this film still. And I, I have watched it in the last 10 years, and I do think it holds up. Um, in fact, some of the hipster jokes they make before the hipster was a thing are Ring as true. relevant yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the coffee shop scene, in the because there's like the, the beat poetry, all that stuff is more relevant now, I think, for me than it was in 1993. Like, I wasn't getting that as commentary. I just thought it was a funny scenario. But now it's like, oh, no, that could be social commentary now. <laughs> like, this is this is actually a culture here. So, 
Um, yeah, I had to throw that movie out. Uh, I had to at least bring it up. I will stop there. If there's anything else you want to mention. Man, here we go. I'm going to throw this out quickly. Army of Darkness, uh, one of Hell the better yeah. evil dead flicks. Totally mad, but uh, Ash is sent back to medieval times. He's got to find a book of the dead to summon an army of ghosts. But it's surprisingly quite fun. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 came out. And That's it's so bad. terrible. <laughs> yeah, this time, tra- the, another time travel. The yep. turtles are sent back in time to Japan. To rescue April O'Neil and his rubbish. Basically, not Vanilla Rice isn't even in that one. Um, nope. Free Willy came out. Yeah, Hocus Pocus yeah. still good to watch over the Halloween season. I do, I've never liked that movie. I don't. I, mind I'm it. one of the detractors. I don't mind yeah. it, even with Sarah Jessica Parker in it. Cool Runnings. It's a cult film over here. I don't know about the states, but I love Cool Runnings. Oh yeah, uh, Eddie the Eagle from a few years ago. The uh, spiritual film. Yeah, yes. which because they happen simultaneously. I love both of those movies. Oh, it's um, a good double feature that is. Uh, yeah. Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan, which is like the template to... for early Vin Diesel in the rock films. I've got a question for you. So, yes. What was better, Mr. Nanny or Suburban Commando? Uh, Suburban Commando. Jeez. I think, for sure. I think. It's been a while since I've seen either, but um, I feel like Suburban Commando is more fun than Mr. Nanny. Still but I could be wrong. But yeah. Yeah, both terrible. Uh, Hulk Hogan movies in general are pretty bad, except for Rocky 3. Um, except for Rocky 3, yeah. Real quick, I don't want to go past it. Uh, True Romance, which was Tarantino's oh, yeah. first uh, script, um, and has one of my favorite Christopher Walken lines: "You're a pineapple." Because <laughs> <laughs> actual insult thrown at a character in that movie. Yeah. Uh, well, and look at the cast: Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, mm-hmm. Dennis Hopper of uh, Super Mario Brothers fame, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken. What a bloody cast! One of the biggest Gary Oldman performances too. He is insane yes. in that movie. Like, holy cow! The Nightmare Before Christmas came out oh, as well. Gorgeous, freaking Henry. Carlito's Way. Not seen that one. That's one of the. I, De Palma is a huge gap area for me, man. I've only seen a couple of his films. I and really I mentioned need it because it's a it. brilliant turn from Apertino. But sorry, you were going to say about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, uh, Henry Selleck. Uh, the misconception that Tim Burton directed it, or Henry Selleck will direct it and then start Leica Studios. Um, and yeah, uh, Leica is the forefront of claymation. So. Yeah, and it was a, bl- a, good, is it a is it a Halloween film or a Christmas film? Um, I say both. I say it's both. Okay, I'm ha- happy for that. And the last one I'm going to mention is The Piano, which was uh, Jane Campion directed, starred Holly Hunter, Harvey Keitel, Anna Paquin, haha, Sam Neill, and it was a really good drama, really good, dra- excellent performances, and it really showed it once more how beautiful New Zealand is as a country. So, The Piano and Demolition Man came out, but pfft, to that, <laughs> but there's some good and bad films. Okay, but say. Demolition Man has one of the oddest running gags in any movie ever, which was the shells. Like, Yes. What the hell? Yeah. I've for my whole life. How the hell do the shells work? Somebody explain it to me. I take back my now because of the shells. <laughs> so wow. bad. And I've and, just realized, well, my neighbor Totoro came out as well. Yeah. Which I recently watched for the first time. I showed it to my class uh, last month, actually, as we were studying seasons, um, I uh, man, I love Studio Ghibli. I'm still working. I have missed so many of their films, but uh, that one is one I've caught and I adore. So, so yeah, I mean, two, the night that we've had the top ten and the notable releases were actually a mixed bag and quite entertaining to go through because some were really bad, some were surprisingly omitted from the top ten. But like yeah. John said, that's just done on gross rather than popularity. But I mean, they were our notable releases, so now it's time to go a little bit further with this. Winners and losers. 
time to look at both the awards, and this is the first time in like three episodes we get to look at the Razzies again, yeah. which I love doing. So uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, Oscars and what movies won and seeing what from the top ten show up, which it looks like uh, many of them from the top ten. Not all, though. Um, best Picture from 1993, uh, Schindler's List. What a, sh- what a surprise, right? Um, yeah, had to be. Best Director. Uh, it should be, is it? It is Steven Spielberg for Schindler's List. That's right. Um, best actor, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Best actress, Holly Hunter in The Piano, which I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Which I still need to see. Uh, best supporting actor, Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. This will come as a surprise to quite a few people, but it happened. Best supporting actress for Anna Paquin in The Piano, and she is very young, but very good in that film. I was going to say, she's got to be like super young in that. Um, yeah, she was. Best original screenplay for The Piano by Jane Ch- uh, Campion. I'm glad I mentioned that now. Best adapted screenplay, Schindler's List. Uh, by Stephen Zalon, which is based on a book by Thomas Keneally. And Best Original Score. Uh, it went to the right composer, but I do have to say for the wrong movie. Uh, best Original Score, Schindler's List for John Williams, but uh, let's go Jurassic Park. Agree with that one. That's the, fun, fun fact, that's the last time John Williams won an Oscar, which is wow. surprising because he's been nominated almost every year since. And uh, the Best Original Song, what a song it is. Streets of Philadelphia from Philadelphia. Music and lyrics by Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself. Now it's been it's been a while. Do we do Razzies right next, or do you want to talk the like how the top ten did at the Oscars? Let's do the top ten, and then we can go on to what really matters: the Razzies. Okay, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of nominations for the top ten, um, but some winners that we didn't mention: um, Jurassic Park got a lot of the technical awards, which, gosh darn it, should best sound, best effects, and best uh, visual effects. And my God, does it deserve the visual effects? Because those effects hold up. Yeah, they do. All I these totally years agree. Later. Um, practical Ms. Trump CGI some in some cases, and that was one of them. Yeah, for uh, completely agree. Miss um, Doubtfire, I, I, holy cow! <laughs> Best makeup. I would never have guessed if you told me that Miss Doubtfire was an Academy Award winning film, I would have probably laughed. Um, but there Ms. it Doubtfire is. Doubtfire is an Academy Award winning film, so there you go. The Fugitive. It won Best Supporting Actor for Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, JB himself said it's a great turn. It's also nominated for Best Picture, Cinematography, Sound, Film Editing, uh, Effects, and Original Score. So it was, it was like yeah. jo- like John said, it's been kind of forgotten about, despite it being hugely um, acclaimed at the time. Yeah, and it's like an 88 on Metacritic, too. So yeah. it's like a really high, highly reviewed film, but just seems to have been lost to time. Um, Schindler's List gets... Uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Music, Best Art Direction, Set Direction. Um, also nominated, though, were uh, Neeson for Best Actor. It's a little surprising he didn't get that. Um, best Supporting – I mean, I, Tom Hanks is stupendous, so don't get me wrong. But Best Supporting Actor for Fines, um, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, Best Makeup, all nominated. Um, the Firm got some nominations. Best yeah. Supporting Actress for Hunt, uh, Hunter – Best music uh, for original score. It's funny um, how it works because yeah, because Holly Hunter won Best Actress, and she could have also won Best Supporting Actress in the same year. That she would was be nominated. Really interesting. Indecent Proposal, funnily enough, was not nominated because it's what? Yeah, I can't believe it. Cliffhanger uh, was. That's still shocking. Wow. Um, best sound, best effects, uh, best well, best effects. I guess makes sense. There's explosions and such. Um, yeah, and Sly Stallone's muscles. Sleepless in Seattle was nominated for screen, original screenplay and best music. Mm. 
Philadelphia gets best actually wins best actor um, and best music original song and then uh, best original screenplay nomination and best music and best makeup nominations. Yeah, Pelican brief no no love from the Oscars there. So top ten uh, well the top half of the top ten was did certainly very well in terms of wins and the bottom half did well with nominations. So who um, I can't get over Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what other films were uh, really good in terms of makeup. I mean, the Goombas and Super Mario Brothers, I think they, they were unlucky to miss out because, you know, they were, yeah. that was a feat in filmmaking that was. But well, I'm trying to think. think the the makeup for Tom Hanks in Philadelphia? Yeah. Because it's nominated for Best Makeup, that that would win. Because what, what's the best makeup? Like, because Robin Williams looks like an old lady. Well, that <laughs> like, was the only bit of makeup in the film. Yeah, pretty much. I, it was... The tra- it took like four hours, I think, to do that. But I mean, Wayne's World had some great weeks. Yes, yes, Wayne's World had some great weeks. Family values, the makeup and hair, and that was very good. Oh yeah, for sure. I would totally think that would be yeah. more deserving. Although I can see why it's not respected. Hocus um, Pocus. I wouldn't say it's the best one, but they certainly put a lot, of, a lot of effort yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I man, I, it's hard to believe that Miss Doubtfire has an Oscar win. Like I am just. I'm a little flabbergasted well, by that. Oh, has, so. That's a valid point uh, that I was thinking when I said it. But um, <laughs> now, to, now to the awards that really matter. So the Golden Raspberry Awards, more commonly and lovingly referred to as the Razzies. Uh, <laughs> the worst picture goes to Indecent. Oh, man, I stole it. I'm so sorry. Please, please take this one. Indecent Proposal. Oh, man. Uh, worst picture. So, yeah, it, it's. Under, I think it was a 38 or something on Metascore, so clearly deserving. It's just the year Super Mario Brothers came out, and Indecent Proposal took... I'm starting to dude, question the Razzies now. Dude, that is... Wow. Uh, that is a really good I'm starting point. to Maybe, question their validity. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if like Super Mario Brothers was just so under the radar, like nobody <laughs> cared about it. Like Maybe it's a sympathy it, vote. I mean, it was an early video game movie, like by by what several years before yeah, another one, one would try. <laughs> it's still one of the worst. Um, it's it well it, clearly though, like Mario doesn't have a complex story, so they were trying to make it into like a real movie, <laughs> and that was the first flaw. Yeah, but um, and the Goombas were just a second flaw. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, worst actor Burt Reynolds, uh, rest in peace, in Cop and a Half. Um, worst actress, Madonna. Wow, in Body of Evidence, she was. She's won quite a few of these, just in the shows that we've done. Yeah, that's and she's good in the like. I like her in League of Their Own. Yes, um, a lot. And Dick Tracy, I thought she was good. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Dick Tracy, but at the time, as a kid, I mean, you know, Jurassic have something against her. Best supporting actor, Woody Harrelson in Indecent Proposal. Um, we're supporting actress Faye Dunaway in the temp, which she would later then try to sabotage the Oscars. Um, yes, um, as, yeah, yeah, getting back at the Oscars and the Razzies. Worst director Jennifer Lynch for Boxing Helena. Um, worst screenplay: A Decent Proposal, uh, written by Amy Holden Jones, and based on a novel, Jack Engelhard. That's a that's a fake name. <laughs> worst <laughs> worst news star. <laughs> Janet Jackson in Poetic Justice. I like Poetic Justice. I haven't Poor seen Poetic Janet. Justice for a long time, but that was Tupac and Janet. Man. I thought it was good when I was a kid. Maybe it doesn't hold up. I don't know. Um, worst original song was Adam's Family Whoop <laughs> uh, from Adam's Family Values by Ralph Saul, Steve Gibson, and Cecil Glenn. I had that on vinyl. I really? When I was a kid, I had it on vinyl. 
That's awesome. Um, I had the Ghostbusters soundtrack on vinyl. Yes, uh, I had to do the Bartman as well. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. The uh, the Bartman. Um, yeah. So fun Razzies. Uh, this, but yeah, the fact that Super Mario Brothers isn't on any of those is uh maybe telling of how bad that movie is. <laughs> like, yeah. They just ignored it completely. Um, Unless they just literally wanted to ignore it, because I've tried so hard to forget about it, but I always remember the Goombas. I reference them once a month in some way or another, whether it's an insult or just something, because it's a running joke I have with my dad just mentioning the Goombas, just because they were so bad, and it's it's become pop culture for me now. So how that didn't, how that got away with, with, with not getting any of these awards is beyond me. The, man... I'm looking forward. I I have to say I like talking about the Razzies in hindsight, but I also really hate the Razzies. Um, oh, they, you know, they are clearly rubbish, stupid. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah, the but Razzies it's, it's know fun that to talk. So it's nice when the actors or actresses who win them go to collect their award. I think Sandra Bullock did it one year. It's quite nice she to did. show that humility and just be like, yeah. So at the end of the day, it means nothing. But but um, that was the same year. I think she was nominated for All About Steve for the Razzies. Yeah. And I think she was for the blind side at the Oscars that year. So it was kind of like she did both. And that it, if it wasn't blindsided, it was it had to be blindsided. That's the only thing I think she's gotten nominated for. But spill, uh, I think. yeah, so that like that, but that's why Sandy B is awesome, because she can do that. You know, what I mean, yeah. like um, and then she does freaking bird box and everyone talks about her like she's new. Yeah, um, that, that, that makes me feel sad when people just call her the bird box lady. Sandra Bullock's got such yeah. a brilliant back catalogue, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean the Razzies just, are excellent for joke value, but please, nobody take any stock in them. Yeah. Well, what's up next? Let's go. Well, we're talking about movies, but life also is transient. Time never stops, and as is natural, nature and existence come into play during 1993, which brings us on to our next segment: comings and goings. We have to look at actors who came into existence in 1993 or actors something with film and also who left us in 1993 the births and deaths yeah and this um obviously the, first, the closer we get to 2019 there are less births and sadly more deaths but there are still quite a, there's still a, a few births this year which have some note yeah for sure i actually i'm a fan of a few of the people on this list um at the same time it makes me feel even older because I realize I'm 10 years older than some of these people that I like. But um, start us off uh, in January 26th, uh, Cameron Bright. Uh, he was in Birth, Thank You for Smoking, which I still need to watch, and X Men The Last Stand and The Twilight Saga. Yeah. Uh, May the 6th, Naomi Scott, who I like. Uh, she was in Power Rangers recently, and she's also Jasmine in, in Aladdin coming up, and she's oh. in the remake, reboot, redo of Charlie's Angels as well. So, uh, She's uh, got a good career ahead of her, possibly. Uh, Debbie Ryan, who I think I know from Disney. Uh, she's an actress, Life of the Party, um, Every Day, Muppets, Most Wanted, and Riptide. I actually liked Every Day uh, oh, I quite a bit. thought it was bit. okay, yeah. It was a good yeah, story. Yeah. Um, May the 14th, Miranda Cosgrove, actress, musician. She was in School of Rock with Jackie Black and Despicable Me franchise. And iCarly, of course, yes. on Nickelodeon. Um, I had, my daughter grew up loving that show, and so I subsequently also watched that show. John, John um, grew up loving that show, and his daughter quite liked I, it. Yes, uh, Cameron <laughs> Monaghan uh, is an actor uh, from his. I'm sorry, August 16th. I forgot to say the date. Um, August 16th is his birthday. Um, I assume it's a he. Uh, Gotham, Mercy Street, Click. Have I got his Click? August the 18th, Maya Mitchell, actress. 
Uh, she was in Hot Summer Nights last year with uh, Tim- Timothy Chalamet, which I think kind of also flew under the radar quite a lot. It was okay. Uh, she's also in After the Dark and The Fosters on TV. Um, August 26th, Kiki Palmer, uh, actress. She's Medea's Family Reunion, <laughs> Imperial Dreams, Ice Age, Continental Drift, and Collision Course. She was good in Imperial Dreams with John Boyega. September the 18th, Patrick Schwarzenegger from Midnight Sun last year with... Uh, oh, I can't remember. She was in Assassination Nation. That's it. And it was bloody awful. And Grown Ups 2. Grown Ups 2 is bloody awful. Um, <laughs> October 31st, Halloween with Latifia Wright. Um, after she's in Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Ready Player One. Uh, oh. November the 22nd, Adele uh, XR Chapulos. This should have been for John. Um, nope. She's a she's in Bluest Warmest Colour, Race from the Jailbird, and The Last Face, and she is an exceptionally talented actress. And I am very grateful that you allowed me to have this particular one, uh, December 27th. I am a huge fan of this actress, mm-hmm. Olivia Cook. Um, she's in Ouija, which I've never seen, but she's in Me and Earl the Dying Girl. Uh, the Limehouse Golem. I don't know that one either. She's in Thoroughbreds and Ready Player One from last year. Um, Life she's also in this amazing film that I saw at the Florida Film Festival two years ago called um, – oh, I'm going to forget it. It's Something Says Goodbye. Uh, Katie Says Goodbye, I think. Um, it did not have a big distribution, although I think, uh, Matt, it might be available for you. It's still – I can't uh, – Katie Says Goodbye is what it's called. Um it is a tough movie. Like it is a like very uh, hard to watch drama, but it is excellent, and her performance in it is fantastic. Um, I recognize the poster. Yeah, well, I I yeah, the reason why I think so there. is recently my review that I wrote like almost two years ago has been getting a bunch of reads, which implies that it's available somewhere, and it's not available on Netflix here. Um, so I'm wondering if it's on Netflix or something over over in your area. Um, the director was at the film festival. Uh, sh- it's also got Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. Um, it, it's really good. It's again super tough, but I I thoroughly thought it was a, a well made film, and she is just a powerhouse. Uh, again, she's a terrific actress. Uh, Ready Player One, she gets to be a little more charming than she. a lot of her other roles yeah. have allowed her to be. But it's also like that movie, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's fun at times, but there's there's a lot of weaknesses in that film that I had ignored my first viewing. And in subsequent viewings, I've been like, oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> but, I was called foolish for not liking it. The first. I didn't dislike it, but I was... I wasn't blown away by it, and I thought it was just okay. And a lot of people thought I was mad, but people people, no, you, people have come I, down to my level. So. I think you are you were right, and it's a shame because I want it to be great, but it's it's definitely got yeah. some uh, some problems. But go back and listen to the bloody awesome from that month, and you'll hear you'll hear me say it. But I didn't dislike the film; I thought it was pretty good. I, I just expected it to be incredible, and obviously that one set piece from that old film yeah. is superb. Yep, yep, yep. But I. I did Olivia Cook. I'm I'm slightly in love with Olivia Cook. I've got to mention it. I I am a bit, but um, I thought she was great in Thoroughbreds. I didn't really like the Limehouse Golem, but she's very good in that with Bill Nye. Kind of more. I think it oh. flew under the radar slightly internationally, but uh, it's very much a British film. And I can't remember the the guy who's in the film, but uh, who plays her kind of partner. But he's a he's a very very talented young actor over in England. He's he's been quite a lot. Of, Douglas Booth, I think his name is. He's been in a fair few films, but yeah, Elizabeth, Olivia Cook. She's a uh, she's probably the Anatissia, right? Maybe they're the two standout names. But I'd imagine Naomi Scott's going to join them 
in the next few in this year with the films you've got coming up. But yeah, Olivia yep. Cook is an extremely talented actress. She's great in Thoroughbreds. So um, yeah, big time. So that can't that's the births, and of course now we have to move on to the other side of life, the yin and the yang, and it's who left us. And there are some there are some powerhouse names who sadly left in 1993, January the twentieth. The iconic Audrey Hepburn, 63 years old, obviously notable for Breakfast at Tiffany's and Roman Holiday. And nowadays the word iconic gets thrown about if somebody just opens and doors, smiles, or wears a certain pair of sunglasses. But Audrey Hepburn has come to sort of embody this feminine style and look, and like it's, you know, she's become an icon. And uh, yeah, she sadly passed away, only 63. January 27th, Andre the Giant, a WWE legend and also star of The Princess Bride um, and Mickey and Maude. Um, and surprisingly, not the star of Dinner with Andre, but uh, died at age 46. Um, I obviously was a fan because I grew up as a huge WWE mm-hmm. nerd, and um, uh, he's so good in The Princess Bride. I, I love him in The Princess Bride. I love he's the Princess just a yeah, me too. I I, I really want to buy the Criterion because it's in this really awesome like book like box, but I've yet to do that because I own it like on every other format, so I don't really need the Criterion. But it's the Criterion, awesome criterion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also known for his jewels with Hulk Hogan as well back in the day. But um, oh yeah, March thirty first, Brandon Lee, twenty eight years old, uh, obviously an actor. Uh, the from he was in Shodan, Little Tokyo, and of course, fatally. Uh, in the crow, where obviously the un- the onset stunt that went wrong took his life, mm-hmm. which was a huge shame. Uh, Bruce Lee's son. Yeah. Um, October twenty fifth, uh, which so close to Halloween, it's kind of a shame that this yeah. man didn't die on Halloween, given his penchant for horror. Yeah. Vincent Price, uh, age eighty two, so the longest life we get on this list this year uh, for ninety three. Um, Laura House of Wax. I think of him uh, from the Fly, the original Fly. Uh, the sci-fi 1952, yep. I think. Um, I I love that movie. It's so so campy and B sci-fi, but it's man, uh, Vincent Price, and uh, also House on Haunted Hill. Um, you know, uh, like I think he's in the original, but I think they use his voice in the remake they did um, in the 90s. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like he's in there, and of course the thriller, yes. right? He's a crossover in thriller, Michael Jackson's thriller. Michael Jackson's prominent in this uh, this list this time, right? Like yeah. we mentioned him a couple times. I know it's it's weird timing with the the documentary coming out. It's sleazy now, but um, moving on to Halloween, October thirty first. Two first one is uh, Federico Fellini, uh, seventy three years old, director, screenwriter, most notable for Eight and a Half and a Marcord. He also directed a film called Roma, and Alfonso Cuarón has taken a lot of Fellini's stylings, I think, in the way he sets up his films, but. Uh, Fellini's aroma, even though it was slightly less serious, was better than Kawaron's. Well, and then on the same day, October 31st, uh, the uh, tragic, much younger River Phoenix, 23, actor uh, Stand By Me, um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and uh, my own private item. Yeah, Idaho, that, yeah. No. yeah, okay. I was like, wait, am I throwing that off? No, no. Um, Corey and I watched that one, uh, I think, last year, and... Um, yeah, just a tragedy. And obviously, his brother Joaquin has had uh, a very different life. Um, yes, you know. And it, but, we mentioned Samantha Mattis earlier on. Another strange time. She was with Ritter Phoenix's girlfriend, and she was with him in the Viper Room oh. on that night. Oh wow! So Samantha Mattis. Well, yeah, she was his last girlfriend. She's an American Psycho, but it's two, year two thousand. Um, 
That's what it that's was. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, she was with him on the night. So it's kind of one of those things, yeah, we, we mention it and it comes back later on in the show. But yeah, River Phoenix, 23 years old and he had a hell of a career ahead of him. Yeah, uh, everyone thought the world of him. So tragedy, um, even I watching my own private Idaho, it's kind of like telling because, you know, it's about drug addiction and um, it, it's kind of crazy. But Yeah, um, so obviously that, that's a sad part of life and we also get the birth so let's see how some of those careers unfold but as the year concluded and we had some awesome movies into the world and super mario brothers we had some great performers and some average performers take their first step into cinema so let's have a look at them in our next segment the debuts where we look at the film debuts um all right so we already mentioned this one but jennifer aniston in the leprechaun uh, since then, she's been in Friends and Bruce Almighty, The Breakup, Marley and Me, Horrible Bosses, We're the Millers, um, and I think Cake is one of her better dramatic performances. That uh, oh, I loved her in Dumpling. I thought she was great in Dumpling. I'm a big fan of that movie. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. She uh, debuted in Much Ado About Nothing, and she's known for Pearl Harbor, Serendipity, The Aviator, Click, and of course, the Underworld franchise. Uh, Nev Campbell would debut in The Dark, uh, obviously most famous for Scream um, and the entire franchise, The Craft, House of Cards. I did not realize she was on House of Cards. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Skyscraper from last year, that epic, awesome action movie that sucked. <laughs> She's probably the best part of that. Um, your boy, Dave Chappelle, uh, in Robin Hood, Men of Tights. Oh, went on man, to I... be in, yeah, Went on to be in The Nutty Professor, Conair. You've got my own Blue Streak. I like Blue Streak, by the way. I think that I like it's funny. Conair. Yes, Conair's got some. I mean, God, the accent Cage brings. All right, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Thomas Hayden Church debuts in Tombstone, a movie that I need to see uh, and that we didn't mention. So I'm guessing it's not a big favorite for you either. Not um, particularly. Very violent I, for a western. Sideways Spider Man Three, the uh, the infamous Spider Man Three, Easy A, which I love. Easy A, Killer Joe, I need to watch, and Daddy's Home, better than I expected. Yeah, Easy A's good. Killer Joe's very good. Um, Doctor Dre. He starred in Who's the Man. He was in Who's the Man. He later went on to do Training Day, The Wash, Unity, and of course, The Chronic. Noah Emmerich. Um, he's in Last Action Hero. Um, is that the kid that I dissed earlier? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful Girls, <laughs> the, the, the Truman Show, Super 8, and The Americans. Who the crap is he in The Truman Show? You, I don't know, but you've dissed him, and it's his first role. Just trying I to make know. his steps into it, and you've just slammed him. <laughs> And he couldn't have been much older than Truman Show. That was only a couple of years old. A couple of years, what, 96, is it? 96? Yeah. Ooh, I, I can't know who he would have been. I can't remember if he wasn't super right either, but I haven't seen that for a few years. But uh, John Favreau was uh, also debuted in Rudy. He uh, he was in a lot of the Friends episodes, but he's best known as a director for Elf, Iron Man 1 and 2, Cowboys and Aliens, The Jungle Book, and the upcoming Star Wars TV series, The Mandalorian, which I'm dead excited for. Well, and Lion King from this year. Yes, kept coming, yeah. Um, Terrence Howard, who uh, was in Iron Man, um, who's he debuts Ooh, yeah. Who's the Man, Hustle and Flow, Crash, Prisoners, Get Rich or Die Trying, uh, the Empire TV series, Law and Order TV series. Um, he's he's good in a lot of stuff. He's also in uh, August Rush. I didn't know that. I haven't seen that film. Oh, I I have a it, it hits me because of the music background. It just kind of clicks for me. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case, if John recommends it, I'm going to watch it. Uh, also. Uh, the the Hughes brothers, Albert and Alan, directors, they uh, directed Menace to Society and later went on to do Dead Presidents from Hell, which is a departure, and The Book of Eli. 
Uh, oh wow, Matthew McConaughey debuts uh, in My Boyfriend's Back. That sounds like one of those McConaughey things. Boyfriend, yeah. Um, the Wedding Planner, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, uh, just a bunch. I'm gonna say inter- other good ones. Interstellar. Um, I still need to see Killer Joe. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Um, Magic Mike, I guess is is better than I would have ever expected. By the way, yeah. Um, and then this year's Serenity. Which I'll say nothing about, so that Matt has no information. Oh, man. I had it on my anticipated list because I I like Matthew McConaughey. I think he's an excellent actor, and I love Anne Hathaway. I think she's an excellent actress, and the two of mm-hmm. them together just makes me just happy to be alive. But um, I haven't heard anything about the film. But John's put me on alert by saying, "Don't read anything before you're going into it." But um, McConaughey did win the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, yep. he is a he's gone got long gone from being Ghosts of Girlfriends past. He's now an Oscar winner. Yeah, uh, Brittany Murphy, uh, who sadly passed away in two thousand and nine, debuted um, in Family Prayers, and she was in Girl Interrupted, Eight Mile, Sin City, and Happy Feet as well. And Clueless, which yeah, needs to be because oh, yeah. that is a terrific movie. Um, Anna Paquin uh, debuts in The Piano, which I did not realize because she would become Rogue in the X Men saga. Um, Fly Away Home, Almost Famous. I didn't realize she was in that actually. Uh, True Blood, Trick or Treat, and The Irishman. Oh, the uh, Scorsese upcoming yeah. Netflix original, The Irishman. Yeah, and she and I don't. I, she, well, she won an Oscar for her winter debut before, yeah, which, which isn't bad. Which is only downhill from there, I guess. But it, um, they don't do that often either for a young actor. Like uh, a lot of people wanted um, the kid from the from Room, uh, whose oh, name Jacob, is not coming. Tremblay. Tremblay, there it is. Um, to win, which maybe was the right call because I saw Book of Henry. And then, then I saw Wonder, and he's pretty good in, in Wonder. But then he's also Wonder. in The Predator. He kind so, of does good film, bad film, good film, bad film. Yeah, he's, he needs a new agent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Well, yeah, Anna Paquin, if anyone who saw her as Rogue in X-Men, probably didn't realise she's an Academy-winning actress, but I do like oh. Anna Paquin. Uh, Ryan Reynolds debuted in Ordinary Magic, and since then he's gone on to do National Lampoon's Van Wilder, The Proposal, Green Lantern, <laughs> The Amityville Horror, of course he is, Deadpool, and he's Detective Pikachu this year. I am looking forward to that. Um, I am a Reynolds fan. Um, Denise Richards debuts in Loaded Weapon 1 that, ironically, I believe stars uh, Samuel L. Jackson. And I'm forgetting who the other guy was that was playing Riggs um, or Murtaugh. Uh, Riggs. Um, but uh, Starship Troopers, Wild Things, Drop Dead Gorgeous, The World Is Not Enough, and Her Marriage to Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, which is better than most of those films. Uh, Starship Troopers would always be excellent, even excellently bad, yep. but, and they're yep, thinking yep. about redoing it. Don't. Just leave it where it is. It's fine as it is. Uh, Michael Shannon, who I'm a big fan of, was in Groundhog Day. He then went on to be in Revolutionary Road, Nocturnal Animals, 8 Mile, uh, Bug, the very strange bug, Man of Steel, The Shape of Water, and TV's Boardwalk Empire. He's had a hell of I... a career. I cannot think of who he is in Groundhog Day. Neither like, can I. But he's got such a distinctive he, face as well. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan. Like he's got to be like just a city folk guy or something. Like I, I'm gonna have to rewatch it just to look for him now. What a um, shame that would be. Alicia Silverstone debuts in The Crush. I did not realize that. Um, she really debuts in, I believe, Living on the Edge from Aerosmith. But uh, Clueless, Batman and Robin, God darn you movie oh. tropic thunder the, really the killing of sacred deer which she's great in that uh mismatch tv yeah, she was the pin-up girl for the mid-90s as well uh jada pinkett smith she uh debuted in menace to society and uh she went on to be in the nutty professor ali 
The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, uh, and also the Madagascar franchise, and a very decent Girls Trip from a few years back. I like Girls Trip a lot. Um, Mira Servino, Amongst Friends, is where she debuts, and she'd show up in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Mimic, Summer of Sam, and Mighty Aphrodite. Oh, God, that was a rhyme I wish I hadn't said. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Vaughn, the big man, started, in, uh, started in Rudy, and he has since gone on to have a career in Swingers, Old School, yeah, Dodgeball, Anchorman, Wedding Crashers to Break Up, and the brutally excellent Brawl in Cell Block 99 from, again, from a few years back. I need to watch that still. Um, Steve Zahn uh, debuts in Rain Without Thunder. Um, I can't believe I'm looking at this list, man, and that thing you do is not in his known for. Sorry. Uh, uh, Shattered Glass, Sahara, Diary of a Wimpy Kid franchise, uh, the first three films, I believe, um, Dallas Buyers Club, War for the Planet of the Apes. I, I'm a big Zahn fan. His humor cracks me up. Um, I love him so much in that thing you do. But, uh, yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. I wasn't a huge fan of his character in War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, but I do like Steve yeah. Zahn. And in Shattered Glass with a very young Hayden Christensen, a Golden Globe nominated Hayden Christensen for that. Yeah, I watched that in journal uh, in my when I was getting my degree for journalism. That was one of the films they showed us about, you know, uh, don't don't make up crap or you'll lose your career <laughs> and it's one of the films when i had never heard of the guy who was playing anakin skywalker i checked it out and i was like oh mm-hmm. this guy can act and then i saw the prequels and thought oh, he was handed a dealt he was handed a bad set of cards there but <laughs> yeah yeah renee zellweger is our final debutante uh, in dazed and confused and she went on to jerry Maguire, nurse betty chicago uh, to be an oscar winner for cold mountain and of course bridget jones uh, the entire series that is correct, sir. So, sir, uh, again, as we always seem to seem to have a very impressive list of debutants, some who have gone on to do absolutely massive things in the world of film, others who haven't. Um, but it's not going to name names, but and then there's others who are just kind of floating around somewhere. But yeah, the debutants, good set of lists. But we all know why we're here for. The movies have been great. We've discussed those. Great astrology. Wow, we love films. The memories have been evoked. But now it's time for Mister John Book. To poetically describe everything you've just heard in the Burkoscope. So please take it away. So the year of 1993 is clearly the year of the Raptor. Be mindful of just how clever you think you are, as no disguise will hide your true feelings. Chaos is waiting just if your best, fr- uh, just as your best laid plans fall. But there is always hope for the future if you can let go of the past. Remember the magic word. When trying to acquire your goals as manners maketh man. When hunting for one's desires, you must not let your guts spill out all over the floor. But keep those nerves in check and all will be well. And always remember that life finds a way. Yes! Sorry, sorry. I sit here with a big grin on my face and I'm waiting to explode. (laughs) They're getting better each week. (laughs) It helps when the number one movie is one of my favourites. Yeah, I I was listening to it trying to piece together the films I I knew and that came from that film. I still didn't hear Super Mario Brothers, but that was a... (laughs) I wonder how John does this because I certainly couldn't write one of those. Yeah, you know, I, I this one was uh, easy and yet tough. Um, I did throw in a little bit of Miss Doubtfire uh, with the, the disguise part. But, um, you know... Oscar winning Miss Doubtfire. I think this is... Usually you say, what do I think of the year as a whole yeah. at this point? And I think 93 is a really great year. Um, maybe for mediocre films, but films that I personally love. 
still to this day. Like, so I married an axe murder, Robin Hood, men in tights films that I think critically are not beloved, but they are, they hold a special place for me. Um, and then again, it does have some of the biggest films between Schindler's list and Jurassic park, um, of all time. And so 93 seems like a really solid year in movies. Yeah, we said it every time. We're even whether we like the whether we like it or not, there's always a massive film each year. We, I don't think we've had one yet where we haven't had like a, one of those films which is just a classic. We get Jurassic yeah. World Park and uh, of course Schindler's List. I think this was a I think this was a good a good year for film. To be honest, uh, sometimes for better or worse. I mean, we've made, we've had a joke about Super Mario Brothers, but it's good. It, it came out that year, and it's given, we remember it. So it's obviously ensconced in our brain. Things like um, uh, Totoro came out as well, which was such a big film for that genre. We had some great action films, which I'm going to say we don't get good action films anymore. The Last Action Hero is also a metaphor, I think, because who is the the last great action hero? They've all gone. Because people say yeah. The Rock, people say this and that, but we just don't get those kind of action films anymore. And uh, 1993, I think, was a, a very decent year for film, if not the best we've ever had. But um, still, I, I there are some films on here which I remember very fondly. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, there's some that I've rewatched. I mean, this was, I think, when I became, like, a cinephile in a way, where, like, maybe not the right word there, but I was... Like I rewatched Wayne's World, I rewatched Jurassic Park, I rewatched. These are movies that I I was like constantly checking out and watching and watching and watching. I think age eleven is maybe when I became like fully competent and I like movies more than most people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are things that I'm gonna quote these movies. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna recite lines from Groundhog Day and So I Married an Axe Murder, and it's kind of shaped who I am as a person now. Um. I mean, I started, I always will attribute Ghostbusters. That was the first time I went to the theater and I still prefer going to the cinema um, than I do anything else. And yet this year, 93, there's so many movies on this list that I have watched over 20 times. You know, like I I know I've seen Jurassic Park over 20 times and I've seen So I Married an Axe Murder uh, probably that many because it was on HBO and I would just put it on. Um, And uh, Wayne's World 1 and 2 I've seen probably more than most other movies, period. Like, I obsessively watched Wayne's World for a long time. So uh, this year has a special place for me. Yeah, I'm not going to argue any of that. Some of the best, a couple of the best films that we've ever seen have been released. Some of the more hilarious films we've ever seen have been released. So it's got pretty much everything you can want from, from want from a year in film. And yeah, I'm not going to argue the Oscars. I agree with for the most part. I'm never going to argue with the Razzies because, you know, and also it was the year Rick Astley uh, quit music. So it was a pretty good year all round. So um, that is that for this episode then of Movie Astrology. Uh, thank you once again to my marvellous buddy and co-host, Mr. Burke. It's been brilliant. And as usual, I'm looking forward to next month's episode. I can't wait to see what it is. No, nope, and I'm sure if we don't, they can't either. I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. But before then, where can the world find you online? Yeah, you can follow me on any social media at Burke Reviews and read my reviews at BurkeReviews.com. Yep, do check them out. And also check them out on Instagram for those pictures of sushi. Um, you can find me at WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Same again, all the socials. Just find, uh, search for What I Watch Tonight and you'll see us on there. And if you want to find any of my stable of podcasts or any of the movie casts from Burke Reviews, any decent podcast provider worth their salt, we're on there. So our shows together, yep. including this, the bloody awesome podcast, and our individual ones are on there as well. So 
Um, as always, we always appreciate people listening and interacting. So if you do like it, let us know. Give us a rating, a review, or just let us know on online that you've liked what we said or that you disagree. Just be polite by doing it. So, um, <laughs> and from me though, it's been brilliant again, John. So for me, thank you everyone for listening, and see ya. And from John, keep watching movies. And sorry to all the gabes out there. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Jared from The Borough Reviews. We just launched our new podcast called Into the Borough where we talk about entertainment over on our website at theboroughreviews.com on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Go check it out. Boogie boogie.